0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Half Ashed with Kip Fisher. This week, replacing the difficult to replace and ever indominant Craig, we have Dale, killing <laughs> himself as the podcast godfather and the cigar curmudgeon. Bob, welcome them all now to the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: so now i got to be awake for this thing,
2: too? There you uh, go.
0: Now you're ready to go. Now you got some energy. Now you're ready to go. Yeah, now my glasses are steamed up.
2: <laughs> Whoa, I don't need to know about that.
0: It's <laughs> <That's> hot. <laughs> it, it is stinking hot in Florida right now. It was beautiful uh, over here this morning 73 degrees, 6 o'clock this morning. A little bit of a breeze. Oh, it was just.
2: Hey, that sounds just like where I am, except we also had a half inch of rain an hour.
0: Good. That disembodied voice, ladies and gentlemen, is Dale, the cigar pod father. <laughs> the pod father, I like that. Glad to have you
2: back, Dale. Hey, glad to be back. You know, anytime you wake up breathing, it's a good day. So it is. is a, yeah, and I'm I'm excited. I've been waiting for weeks now for this, and uh, of course, Kip didn't know that, but in, a couple weeks ago, he invited us back on, so my wait has been shortened tremendously.
0: I want to thank Kip for invite us back on. Oh man, us. I you,
1: I can't tell you how stoked I am to have you guys back. I realize <laughs> it's, it's, we weren't your first
0: choice, most likely. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Obviously, since it's taken them thirty some weeks, but
0: that is not
1: true. We, <laughs> it's only been like twenty eight or twenty nine weeks. And, oh, absolutely. that's
2: right. That's right. Uh, no, happy <laughs> to be here. Happy to be. Here. I, I'm. I'm. Got to tell you, I'm afraid I won't be able to keep up tonight because, you know, although I still smoke a lot of cigars and all that, I just am not. Tuned into the industry like I was, so uh, you'll have to go easy on me tonight.
1: now you're on a down cycle. You'll come back around.
2: Oh yeah, no doubt. You put up a pretty
0: good list of what else you've been smoking there, Dale. I was looking at the notes.
2: So. And I had to pare it down. Actually, I've got about six more on my paper list here that, you know, I thought if everybody fell asleep and got bored, I'd have time to go through those too. <laughs> well, Kip, I <Orton>, say,
0: <laughs> you know, Kip, you and I should just put the earphones down. Let's take a little break, Dale. <laughs> kick it off, and uh, see how far you get.
2: Now, according yeah, to my notes here, Kip, Kip is the host here, so I think I'm going to oh, let him right. guide us. Yeah.
1: No, I'm just a dude hanging out watching the Podfathers.
2: Now, where would you come up with that? I saw that in your post. Somebody said that you were having the, the Godfathers of podcasting back on the show. Where would you come up with that crap?
1: Oh, I I just called you that because that's, that's where I put you in my... Uh, my view, I, and I, I said Godfathers of cigar podcasting. Bob made it podfathers, which I think is
2: even better. Well, I, I like couldn't that. read
0: Dale's screen from here, so I had to kind of well, make it up. if we'll I, just go to... fix
2: that here right now. We'll just, we can do that. I couldn't. I,
0: it's not Dale's fault. That's my fault. <laughs> so that was just a, a happy accident. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, you know, the actual podfather is the one and only God, Adam Curry himself. That's right. The And I can't
2: really. Can't really call myself that, can I? Well sure you, can. Can. you could
0: be the cigar pod father though, see. So. Oh, I like that. Hey, this is the public
1: domain. You can call yourself whatever you want to.
2: You can do whatever the heck you want here, can't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, nobody watches this
1: show yeah. anyway, so <laughs> who's gonna know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> now that can't be true.
1: There's that one guy sitting out there somewhere. How do I
0: get this thing to start switching video again automatically? Uh, have you clicked on one, somebody's yes, picture? Yes, I did. Click it again. Okay. I'll
1: there, try how you like that? that? I have no be-
0: video now, so I don't know what people are watching.
1: <laughs> I, I still have clear video. I okay. don't know. I'm not going to worry about it.
2: As yeah. Yeah, long, long as he can see us, that's all right.
1: Yeah, as long there, as it now. doesn't uh, doesn't tell me it stopped recording, I think we're okay. <laughs>
0: now it's all back.
1: Good. So you guys both smoking uh, this impromptu and unplanned and special oh. uh, unbanded tonight?
0: Yes, I will you were be. Kind enough to send us two of them so we could pre-smoke it, which is when you get to be my age, being able to do something twice is an <laughs> honor, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> especially twice in one week. <laughs> twice, yeah, uh, twice in one
0: week is really an honor. So. I haven't cut this one yet. I did smoke one. I I haven't
2: either. Actually, I was gonna hold it up here so the folks can see. Yes, it is a cigar.
0: I'm gonna give it the old slanted cut this time.
2: Ah, okay. Well, while you're doing that, uh, Kip, you can tell me if I measured this right or not. I show this as about a 52 ring by five and three quarter inch pyramid. Mm -hmm. What you call this? All right.
1: Yeah, I I think they may have actually called that a. Fifty, if I remember right, but yeah, the five and three quarters and fifty-something.
2: Fifty-ish? Yeah. 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 Cuts nice and clean.
1: It yeah. seems these days like that uh, ring size on most cigars is merely a suggestion anymore anyway. I think you're right. Time you know,
2: I'm enjoying my pre
1: And Dale froze up. Yeah, we're losing Dale. He must be getting water in his lines out there with all the flooding going on. Uh, well, I'm not. we'll get him back momentarily, I expect. Uh, so, uh,
0: what's been going on in the world of Bob? Well, I, I've been still smoking quite a few cigars. Liz and I have been smoking quite a few cigars. Mm-hmm. And keeping up with that. But other than that, really just a lot of working. And... I have, i got a few cigars to talk about this week, so. But cool. I, I was trying to find one of them here and I can't believe this crudge you gotta go through getting to the room 101 cigars. Website. <laughs> have,
1: you <been> to, <sighs> have you been to the Illusion site? God no. That is outrageous. You gotta. Put in a password, but the but holy there's cow. there's there's no password. But if you happen to click in the the dialog box where a password goes, it'll drop down and tell you what the password is. Then you can get into it, and it's all Area 51 themed and just strange. Oh sure.
0: Wow, this is uh. I got into the Room 101 site, and it's putting all this <laughs> all this noise in my headphones, and I can't find anything that says. I found the showroom, but it's all rings, lifestyle, accessories. <laughs> are you pendants, looking for a bracelet? particular particular cigar or just... Present? Yeah, I wanted to... Well, I, I've got one that I've been really enjoying lately that I was going to talk about a little bit, um, When the Time's Right. And I just thought I'd do a little little bit of research on it so I could get the name right. But this is like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs>
1: Well, the time—the right time is any time. We don't have an especially tied agenda around these parts. But uh,
2: Let's see. Grab That's some good. notes. Do you guys hear me now or am I... Uh, yeah,
1: never, never, we can really. hear okay. you now. Cool. We thought you might have gotten some water in your
2: lines. <laughs> uh Now I'm doing good. Hey, this uh, cigar light's up nice and even. I'll tell you that.
1: Mine did as well. I'm maybe five-eighths of an inch into it at this point. But same thing. It it actually took fire nicely, and I only they only had five of these, so I only had one this week. But I've had a number of them in the past.
2: Now that's that's uh, that's being a serious host giving up one because I know you have a rule. You won't smoke just one cigar. You always smoke two to review them at least, right?
1: That's true. But you know, like I said, I've had quite a few of these in the past. Oh, have yeah, okay. they've, they've been out for a few months. You know, they're not brand new, but they're not ancient either. Huh. So, well, this, has a,
2: this has a really kind of nice light toothy wrapper on it. Medium to dark Maduro. Check it over in the light. Uh, looks really nice. I'm, I'm impressed with yeah. it. Heavy, kind of heavy to the hand. It feels firm. Uh, the one I had uh, last night was just exactly the same. I don't get much aroma off the wrapper of this one. Last night's wrapper gave me kind of a... A mild, uh, aged hay, hayish or grass kind of flavor.
1: Yeah, or I call that aroma, uh, yeah. last year's loft hay. Uh, exactly. <laughs> That's it good it does it smell, it's not like the hay that was just cut this week or, or freshly, but something you might, you know, a bale of hay you might drag out of the loft from last last summer. Exactly. Anyway. Well, well, what about you, Bob? Good. Any early initial thoughts on this thing?
0: Yeah, I, uh, Now, when I pre-smoked this one earlier, what I did was, you know, we when we were doing the show all those years, I drank a lot of raspberry iced tea smoking cigars. And my first inclination was to fire this up with a good cup of coffee. I decided not to do coffee, so I did hot tea. And if I could find my notes here. I'll even tell you, oh, here's the tea. I'll just look at the tea bag here because I get I buy my raspberry tea from Upton Tea Company, and they always send me these little packets of samples, and I rarely get to do them. This is Richmond Park Blend. It's a Keemun, Ceylon and Darjeeling English tea. It's from England. Wow. What do you And, you know, making, you know, tea is as much of a (laughs) art science as what coffee is these days. People take this stuff pretty seriously. So I've mixed up a cup in my small French press. Because that seems to be one of the ways to do it. To go with the bizarre cigar that we have here tonight. Um, And I say bizarre because The one thing, the first thing I noticed about this, I call this a short torpedo because the head on it is so short for a torpedo. And I discovered as I smoked it that that was the first thing I didn't like about it. I don't like the head on this cigar.
1: Can you clip it a little further up so it's more akin to a Parejo?
0: Well, you could, I guess. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know how that would impact the draw. I imagine it might make it a little, little open.
0: I mean, I clipped it pretty far anyway. Yeah, I think we've lost Dale again. Because I, I like that open, open draw. So anyway, this tea that I got, it's a it's very smooth, drinking, plain, sturdy kind of uh, tea that'll take milk. And it took some. I put some sugar in it. Steeped it in the French press, and it came out with a very smooth, slightly acerbic edge, and I thought it was very appropriate for sampling a good cigar because I like something with a little bit of a ting. Not too sweet um, is the best way, I think, to sample a cigar, unless you're going to do pure water. Do you do? you What do you do when you review cigars? Do you have a drink of choice that you use?
1: Um, well... I like it, like Dale just mentioned, I usually do at least two of a cigar and I'll have one with absolutely nothing. And one I tend to uh, lean toward coffee where, and that's just because in the real world, people that are just smoking a cigar to enjoy it are not going to just be sitting around with nothing else. You're going to have whatever drink you like, whatever meal you like beforehand. I mean, it just, when I tend to sit down and smoke for no reason than just to enjoy a cigar, I like coffee with it, so I'll typically have at least one of those with coffee.
0: Yeah, I, I smoke a lot a lot of cigars with coffee in the morning, but I don't obviously drink coffee or smoke coffee um, <laughs> later in hard the day. To do that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, hard to keep lit. <laughs> I tend tend not to do that.
2: If if you grind the beans up and leave them dry, they tend to try to burn, but once you make coffee, it's pretty tough. Oh, the, uh, I, my the wife secret.
0: a while back found couple packages at the grocery store of chocolate covered coffee beans that she brought home. And I told her don't ever buy those again. Because (laughs) they're nasty. (laughs) Yeah. I can't stop eating them because they're really just you're really just eating the chocolate. Let's be honest. The the coffee that they put in there isn't all that good. (laughs) Just Um, suck the chocolate off and grind the beans. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And you didn't really need to do that because you didn't notice the beans. For an hour or so later. <laughs> and then you started noticing the beans. Yeah. So I told her don't do that anymore. So I don't have any more of those. But you have to pardon me. They just kicked off the second half with the Falcons and the Broncos, Air Force no. and Boise State. So um I have that running. I have this I've redone my whole office. So I have Kip and Dale right in front of me. I have my TV with my Apple TV and my XBMC TV and my ham radio computer and my laptop and my fly tying desk and my cigar humidor. I can, I stay entertained here all move. day. I yeah. don't.
2: I don't. Got a refrigerator there? You're good. Nope. Well, <laughs> the refrigerator
0: and the bathroom are just outside the door. <laughs> I was going to say, if you trade your uh, desk
1: chair for a toilet, you're set. That's yeah. right.
0: <laughs> and, you know, That would be a problem because then I'd never get up. I'd always (laughs) be here. I do have the stationary bike behind the monitor. I have been getting on the stationary bike. And that's nice. Well, I find if I'm falling asleep in the afternoon, get on that stationary bike for 20 minutes, and then I don't fall asleep. So,
2: Last time I was uh, there, it was a good clothes hanger, if I recall.
0: I'm having a hard time, (laughs) though, finding a good way to mount an ashtray on there. Yeah, because <laughs> I do. I have a cigar. I, the TV flips around so I can watch Sports Center or
2: whatever on Apple TV. And so you're not really, you're not jogging. You're kind of just ambling along. Well, Which it's a is bike. It's a bike. Thing. You know, I'm yeah. I'm doing
0: like five miles in 20 minutes. So hey, I, that's I'm pretty not. Good. You know, I'm not killing it, but yeah,
2: nah, that's excellent.
0: Uh-oh.
1: We had uh, we had Sam Lacia on a couple of months ago, and he was in his garage, which he's converted to his own personal man cave, and it was about as cool as can be, but uh, Craig asked him about some white thing back in the corner, and he turned the camera back there, and he's got a urinal installed in his garage. <laughs> wow,
0: outstanding.
1: <laughs> and we thought that was the coolest thing we'd seen in a long time.
2: <laughs> that is cool.
0: I've always wanted a urinal in my bathroom anyway. You know.
2: Yep. Um, next next house I build is going to have one in the garage, and the master bath is going to have a little men's side with a urinal. I, you
0: know, although I've heard really good things about these Japanese toilets that you don't have to use toilet paper with, that they have a water spray in them <laughs> and an electric pump, and you don't even have to use uh, TP. Do they not just call that a bidet? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. Well, it's kind of an upscale <laughs> bidet. See. It's kind of an upscale bidet, <laughs> but um, I hear I hear good things about those. So, anyway, we were talking about this unbanded cigar. I, I think it's a medium <laughs> to mild flavor profile. It does have a beautiful burn on it. It really does. Oh, it does.
2: Guys. And but, I, as usual, I'm smoking a little faster than Bob. You can see I've got about a half-inch burned or so, but it's burning nice and even.
1: I got just the slightest little bit of a... a Point on mine but uh, that actually seems to be a good thing. It's it's doing well. It's got no complaints.
0: See, they've already quit paying any attention to us in the chat room. I noticed that. Yeah. They're off on the hockey. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dale, you'll be you'll be real happy to know that it is raining in Boise, Idaho, right now.
2: Uh, okay, good.
0: So it's I don't know if that means it's heading your way or leaving your way.
2: Uh, If 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 you look at the weather maps, it looks like we're socked in for another couple days. Really, I mean, it has lightened up, thank goodness. Uh, The rivers have gone down a little, but they're saying we could get another two, three inches tonight in the mountains. And so I don't know. You know, I'm happy. I've got food. I got cigars. I've got the internet most of the time. Uh, (laughs) And uh, today we couldn't get out of town. Nobody could get in town.
0: Oh, I like those days.
2: Yeah, much worse than some other towns, though, I must say. But uh, So, you know, we're hunkered down. We're just going to stay put and wait till we can get out on the roads again, but there's no need right now.
1: Yeah, when you drop 12 or 14 inches of rain onto you a know, 100-square-mile area where 98 square miles of that is slope, it, it's all going to yep. gather.
2: <laughs> well, but, and we usually get about 14 or 15 inches of total precipitation a year. And we've gotten wow. a whole year's worth almost in the hey, last three days.
0: Now look, for the last like three years, you guys have been complaining that it's too dry. You haven't <laughs> I <been> know <laughs> enough water.
2: So Very, you know somebody
0: listened enough. to you. They said, okay, we're going to build that water table back up. We're going to soak things down a little bit. Here we go. Absolutely. Yes. You
1: complain about fires. Now you're complaining about the water.
2: Yeah, never happy. So. Never happy. Right. <laughs> now I, I must say though, I, before, before we leave this topic. There are a lot of little communities up in the mountains, and you may or may not have heard this on your national news, but uh, there's a ton of little communities up here that are totally cut off now. Roads are washed out. Nobody can get in or out. Uh, Their phone lines are down there. Most of them don't have uh, cell phone access anyway in a lot of places. Uh, Sewers are out. Electricity's out, and nobody can get in to help these people, so... Those of you tonight who want to raise your cigar your glass and think of somebody, I'd appreciate thinking about these folks up here in Estes Park and Jamestown and Nederland and all these little towns right up here just about 20 miles from me that there's no way we can get to them and help them right now.
0: Now, Dale, I I know you and I have talked recently about you getting into amateur radio.
2: Yes, we have.
0: Right here is the perfect life lesson. Good point. why you might want to get into ham radio. Good point. Uh, because when all else fails, there is radio. As long so, as you yeah.
1: got power. Got any yeah. kind of generator for
0: that? Uh, all you need is a battery. No. all the every, Almost well every ham radio except the handhelds run off 12-volt power anyway. I didn't
1: realize that. I have zero experience with ham yeah. radio.
0: They all run off 12-volt DC power, so as long as you can... Uh, Get them to your yeah, car if you, or if, plug them in.
2: If you lose your 110 converter, you can hook it up to a car battery, and you're good.
0: Yeah, well, and, and it's more efficient that way. You wouldn't want to use a 110 on them because the power supply eats up a lot of the
2: juice. Yep, converting.
0: exactly. But... Converting it up to AC and then back down to DC.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a little tough, but it's possible. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one uh, one thing I'm going to get into here, Bob. Might not be this year, but ain't going to be long. You
1: mean you're not ready to hop back onto a sailboat?
2: No, 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 I'm, uh, I'm actually focused right now on, oh, I don't want to get too, sound too crazy. Well, you all know I'm crazy anyway. But.
0: He's buying <laughs> guns, ladies and gentlemen. He's buying lots of guns oh, and amateur. ammunition.
2: But I, I am seriously looking around for a little chunk of land where I can build another house one of these days and maybe make some, I'll just call it uh, a good place to get off the grid and hunker down if you need to, so. The, saw, uh, the ham radio feeds into that.
0: Yep. Yeah. I saw an ad for a company that sells bomb shelters, essentially. You know, I pre-made. S- oh, drop yeah. them lots, in the ground.
2: Lots of companies do that now.
0: I yeah.
1: saw a, a TV show about the same thing, and these guys were paying $100,000 for this ridiculously huge shelter, and were just digging a giant pit to drop the thing down in.
0: What you Percentive. need to is one of those abandoned missile sites.
2: You know, I've looked into some. There are some not too far away from me for sale, actually. Those
0: those are
2: incredible, and yeah. a little bigger than I need. But there are some people out there converting those into basically underground condos, and selling <laughs> you selling you a doomsday bunker condo for a couple hundred grand. That you know is lush and lavish and all that. You get underground, you don't really even know you're underground. They they make false windows in them that have LCD TV screens, and you can put mm-hmm. pictures the mountains or whatever on them and yeah there's wherever there's a market there's somebody who'll fill it
0: (laughs) hey dale i gotta ask you what what kind of headphones are you wearing there
2: you know same ones i've had down here forever i'd have to look at them to see
0: just turn your head i can see it in the camera they're sony's Oh, which model did you notice
2: oh you want me to look again (laughs) Yeah, well, I've been researching headphones lately. I've really been looking at headphones. Uh, XD200s. Okay.
0: Oh, man, I've I've really been. It's an amazing market um, for headphones these days. I didn't realize how much money you could drop on a pair of headphones.
1: As much Hmm. as you're willing to. Yeah, thousands
0: of dollars on headphones.
1: Well, before we get too far away from the missile silos and <laughs> gun buying, what's uh, what do the recent recalls mean in Colorado?
2: Oh, that is so cool. Yes, indeed. What, it, what I hope it means and what I hope uh, most other people realize it means is that if a group of citizens decides they've had enough with their elected officials, they can do something about it. Uh, in this particular case, as you guys as well know, and I'm, Hopefully the whole country is seeing this as much as we are in Colorado. But uh, Senators Morris and Giron got recalled, uh, mostly on the mostly on their pushing of gun legislation, anti-gun legislation, against the wishes of their constituents. And it's really a unique thing because here in in their two districts, they're heavily Democratic districts. But it's also Colorado, and it's also in the middle of hunting country, and you know. We like we like our freedoms out here. And when these uh bills that were pushed down our throats uh almost a year ago now, once that happened, uh and this really was a groundswell of of grassroots people that started this. And uh, the NRA and some others have come in to help, but it is the people who said uh in response particularly to one of Morris's quotes and I won't get it right, but basically he said he told uh People in the Senate, don't listen to your constituents, what's best. And uh, we all turned around and told him, you're wrong, get out of town.
0: Now, see, this brings up an interesting point about our form of government, which is a representative republic, Mm -hmm. which means that the people, us, don't vote on every issue. It's not a majority rule form of government.
2: And thank goodness... Yeah, well,
1: logistically that'd be uncontrollable. Yeah, it doesn't
0: work. It, it yeah. really—it's been proven that it doesn't work. So the idea is that what we do is we elect people that we trust to go and represent our needs, desires, wishes, um, point of view within the legislatures at the state and the federal level, and even at the local level as well. And so the recall has always been a powerful tool when somebody either changes what they said they were going to do or, I, you know, politicians are always doing something that somebody doesn't like. doesn't sure. matter if it's what I like or you like or, or um, Joe down the street likes it. They're always doing something that somebody doesn't like, so... You have to be careful with the power of the recall, so to speak. But, having said that, it is the tool that the people have to express their wishes in between elections to right what is perceived by the electorate as a wrong.
2: And it's a hard tool to use. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do in between election cycles. No to get enough people all excited about whether it's one issue or, or a general flow of politics. But it's hard to get people uh, interested enough. First, got to get, a, at least in Colorado, the way the process works, a certain percentage of the people in those districts, in this case, had to sign a petition to, to uh, bring up the election. Once you get that, and once again, in Colorado's rules are maybe different than other states, but at the same time, then you've got... Uh, then people who may want to take those spots need to start campaigning, and then you put together the vote. And you try and get everybody together and and get an election. And you know a lot of the a lot of the naysayers were saying, well, this is all just fluff. You aren't going to get anybody to show up. Uh, well, we they. Pro- I keep saying we. I don't live in one of these districts, so I didn't get a vote. Uh, but they proved them wrong. Uh, people got together and stood in front of King Supers and in front of the gas station and everywhere and got enough petitions, got it on the ballot. And by Colorado law, they had, I remember, 60 or 90 days to set up an election process and get a ballot out, and, and they did it.
0: First well, and, time in, in Colorado's
2: yeah. history that the recall has been used, actually.
0: Well, and I truly think that this was a case where the people that elected these people even um, did not understand that they were going to pass these laws. Exactly. I don't think anybody expected Colorado. And and especially, now it's, it's good that they got it done very quick because Colorado may be quickly becoming a place where it's hard to hold anybody's attention very long. Yeah. Um, given that they're <laughs> all walking around smoking <laughs> pot. Yep. Uh,
2: well, and you make a great point. A lot of the people who voted these folks into office lean to that side for all those other issues. That, uh, it's, a, it's a freedom issue to them. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, yeah. It's no different. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they find that it is a little scary to think about all these very happy folks. <laughs> uh, I won't go down Well, that.
0: I'd rather have happy f- folks carrying guns than very depressed bipolar Absolutely. people carrying a gun. You know.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> No you know,
1: Dale, just just because you didn't don't live in those folks' district doesn't mean you couldn't vote. I mean that you could see that in any number oh, of yeah. other
0: states, Illinois,
1: Ohio. You can just go vote wherever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I right. Right. yeah,
0: down here in Florida, we don't really worry too much about that. You know, we go hang a Chad here, <laughs> hang a Chad there. Um, you know, depending on what the issue is that's driving you at the moment, you might yeah. might want to switch around. So
2: Well anyway, it's it's been a great start. I'm glad you brought it up because uh you know, on the on the previous show we set in on, we tried not to get too political most of the time about these other issues, but this is one I've felt pretty strong about. Those of you who kind of followed me along on the social sites, no, I don't post very much, but I've posted quite a bit about this issue. And uh, you know, it's a good thing to see. Uh, let's let's hope Bloomberg and all his cronies realize they've wasted a lot of money and start leaving us alone. Well, yeah, we
0: had a, we had a real push down here in Florida after the Trayvon Martin trial to revamp our, um, very generous gun laws, really, in terms of self-defense. And, um, the stand your ground. ground, stand your ground. Thank yeah. you. Yes. And some, and it failed miserably. Um, but as anybody who followed that Trayvon Martin trial very closely knows what, what came out at trial through the media was totally. Oh, yeah.
2: Polar opposites.
0: Oh, it was bull. It wasn't. it. <laughs> you know, they kept showing this picture of Trayvon back when he was like 12 years old, and the kid's like 18 now, 16 yeah. or 18. <laughs> well, he was 16. And he was a totally different person by then. Um, he'd actually been caught committing burglaries at school. His locker was full of stolen goods, which they oh, yeah. conveniently um, recommissioned as found items. <laughs> as opposed to stolen items um, well we're
2: not we're not done so. yet though in Colorado. we've got a lawsuit going against those four in particular four anti gun bills that passed last year's session. Uh, hopefully we'll win the lawsuit as well, but if not, now we're much closer to having a Senate that uh maybe we'll just just bring up some new resolutions, some new bills in the next legislature to. Reverse those laws that got passed last year.
0: Well, you yeah. lost manufacturing and jobs over this.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, lots of, um, lots of they them.
1: They did. And, and people like that that usu- left the state. Usually, if you make an example out of one or two, then the, the, the next guy in that office is going to know what
2: happened. Well, and I can guarantee you that there's seven or eight other Democratic senators who really leaned towards the, the good side, our side, but got pressured and voted the other way. If any votes come up in the future, you know their votes are coming back to reality.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that's probably the biggest benefit for the rebuild. That's the recalls. biggest benefit. Or you could just move to Florida.
2: <laughs> I could.
0: <laughs> you know, well, we've got pretty good smoking laws. We've got
2: real you good. Can't build a bunker there though. Too much groundwater, man. The, a bunker is a problem. <laughs> but
0: but you, I've you, thought you, about this. You don't have a bunker doesn't have to be underground. You know, if you go true, up there is. by um, the city of. Um, Lafayette and go east on that highway out of there. I forget the highway number, but there's a house there that they built. They built a dirt berm to build the house into for yeah. ecological reasons. But <laughs> it would also make a heck of a heck of a bunker because it's only exposed on the southern side. It's easily defended. Yeah, oh, pe- most things.
1: Go down to Key West. The only building on that island that. Um, has never taken any substantial hurricane damage is what's known as the Hemingway house. Mm-hmm. And that house was built by one of the TIFs. I think it was Elijah Tift, uh, with the railroad guy 150 years ago. And it's, you know, outer structure is 18 inch thick limestone. And the guy wanted a basement. He wanted a wine cellar. So he did the same thing. He built an 18 foot high mound and dug into it to make himself a basement and plop the house down on top of that. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So it can be done. You know, for the most part, down here, basements are just indoor swimming pools.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Either but, that or you make them six inches deep because the water table's at seven. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, but we did start talking about cigars. So I, you know, Kip probably.
2: I suppose did. we had to do that, huh? Yeah. We want to jump
0: into some of these news items real quick. Go for
1: the, it. Um, first one I got up there in the notes was the, uh, we've talked about this several times in the past few weeks, the Cigar Federation raffle. Which was to as a fundraiser was a fundraiser, it's ended now uh, for project Manana, and I think both of you probably know Brian Berman, you bet yeah who was with c r a he's no longer with c r a if you didn't know that and uh, he uh he's now working full time for project Manana, which is his uh the the charity he founded down there in the Dominican, and they were uh, doing this as a fundraiser where they they raffled off. Thirty some odd boxes of cigars and shirts and all kinds of swag and everything, and they actually managed to raise five thousand six hundred eighty dollars, uh, which was Sweet. is huge for Project Manana. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's still it's a, almost three years old now, but still a small operation, and that that really uh, really helps them on the bottom line. So, a big thanks to all the folks that contributed to that.
2: I can't can't wait to see how they do next year because, like you say, they're kind of really in their infancy. Uh, Uh I think that's going to just keep growing and growing. And and with you and others in the industry, giving them the press you do, hopefully next year they'll double or triple that.
1: Yeah, and and I I love Project Mignon. I think it's an awesome organization. And Brian actually sent out a newsletter today, and he is – Full-time. He's no longer, like I said, no longer with CRA. He's full-time Project Manana and has still managed to figure out a way that he's not drawing a salary from that. Um, Everything that gets donated to the project goes straight into the school and the kids and the feeding programs and educational programs they have. And um, I got to visit this past year, and we're going back down in February and spent a few days helping them out with some projects and whatnot. And and Man, I, I just can't tell you how impressed I was with them. It's a really, really cool organization. With this, uh, the money generated from this raffle, they already have put it to use. They they uh, got a wheelchair for a, a, a young boy. He's 12 years old and he can't walk. And he has several uh, severe disabilities. But he has had to have been carried everywhere he's gone his entire life. So they... <laughs> Took that you know wow. initial initial run into that raffle. They took those proceeds and just immediately got him into a wheelchair, and uh, some of the rest of the monies generated allowed them to uh, close on a partial of land they they needed to uh, put up another facility, another building uh, they have going on. I think it's in Via Gonzalez, which is a very very poor area around Santiago. Yeah, yeah. and um really cool to have seen them grow you know they founded that uh, that project Mignon in October of 2010 and they only had 32 or 34 kids they were helping out they have some schooling they have you know financial training for the parents and the the parents are invested in this it's not just hey bring your kids here you know the parents are bought into it which is a really cool thing too um, but they've gone from those initial 30 something kids to 225 now, and they have feeding programs where they're getting them, you know, nutritious meals. They're, they're getting them some vaccinations and other things they need, and they have the school operating. And, and uh, like I said, I just, I, I, it, I said this even last week, it's one thing to read about it or see pictures, but getting to actually go down there and meet the kids that we sponsor is just, just a really cool
2: experience and, and to yeah, see it. Outstanding. Firsthand. Outstanding. Yeah so i uh I see one of the next things you get in the list here it's, I'm pretty curious what uh what you're thinking about we know the uh their true godfather of cigars <laughs> Jose padron uh had a birthday in this last week and yeah the, they have been in business forty nine years yeah that it makes you kind of special maybe huh it does
1: and knowing that padron really likes to release special cigars and anniversary cigars and and any number of limited releases or special whatever. I, I can't help but think next year is going to be a really big year from Padrone.
2: So what do you think they're going to? I mean, you know, we've seen the 40th and the 45th and all that. Do you think they're going to just do a 50th, or do you think it's going to be something beyond that?
1: I don't know. I, I hope it's something beyond that. I hope they just go hog wild, put out all kinds of stuff. You know, and not that I'm a frequent Padrone smoker, I do enjoy just about everything I've ever tried from them, um, but uh, I'll certainly try whatever they
0: put out for sure.
2: <laughs> you darn dude. I,
0: yeah, I, I wouldn't expect them to go crazy. That just doesn't seem to be padrone. I would expect them to do something very special, but I've never, you know, I don't think their history, as I recall it, they really do big multi-cigar releases and that sort of thing, But because they did, you know they did special releases for the old man and and stuff like that but they i think they'll do something but it's going to be my from what i think i know about padrones that's how I'll couch this it's going to be reserved it's going to be classy it's it's going to be um, a very incredible cigar that you'll definitely want to get a hold of oh yeah probably as many as you can afford
2: yeah i've been I've been thinking since I've seen this, you know, they uh, they played on the little hammer thing last time. I'm wondering uh, what else is there in the Padron history that that we might see them play on in a cigar or reserve cigars name this time. It, it's definitely
0: not going to be an Uzi.
2: <laughs> now, I mean, if this was Drew
0: Estates turning 50, I'd expect a whole <laughs> different type of turnout, but. With Padron, I think it'll be a little bit more reserved. And yeah, I don't. I yeah, I'll be interested yeah. to see what theme they call on. I think that's interesting, Dale, uh, because the the little hammer was quite a theme.
2: Oh, they, it, they it evoked it. all their history and the emotion, and that I thought that yeah. was a really not only was it classy, but it was a great marketing thing. And
0: I well, just, and I think they should. The boxes should look like the factory down there with those high yellow walls with the bullet holes with in it. With the
2: bullet holes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> Lest we all forget.
2: That's right.
0: <laughs> you know, they uh, there was a,
1: um, a retailer within the past few months, and I can't even recall which one it was now, went and bought like 200 hammers. Had the th- had the handles sanded down, had them all refinished nicely and sent them down and had the Padrones autograph all those hammers to give away with boxes of cigars. And it, it was a cool item.
2: Oh, that's a cool idea. I didn't know that, man. I, if I'd have known that, I'd have been in line to buy one.
0: You, you know, what? I'll sell you a hammer, Dave. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and I'll even sign it. How about that? Man, I'll, uh, I'll give it to you cheaper than he probably. I'll, I won't i will even make you buy a whole box of cigars. <laughs> Fifty bucks, dude, it'll have a really nice wooden handle. I'll polish up the head real nice. I'll even engrave your name on the head. How about that?
2: Oh, man, there you go. There you go.
1: <laughs> My favorite Padron cigar is one that most people would never pick, and well, actually most of those have never heard of it. Um, I love the Anniversaries. I, I really like their you know, X-Thousands series, but they used to make these, <clears throat> I don't even remember what they called them, they were roughly a Lancero, and they had mixed filler inside, just whatever the, you know, offcuts were, and they sold them locally in Miami, they didn't ship them anywhere, they, they just put them together and they went out the door, and sold them for a buck a piece. Yeah, and it was great Padron tobacco. It would vary from one stick to the next, but it was always good. And, and uh, best I can tell, they don't do that anymore.
2: Yeah, uh, I was, I, I'd heard of those, and I I think it's been a while since they've done them because I've looked for them, I haven't ever found them.
0: Here's where the, I know where they went. Oh, you can buy them from uh, J.C. Newman as the Prince of Pay.
2: Really, yeah. really. Yeah, that's what Prince that cigar Payton's is. The, is the I, I
0: saw it down there in the in the factory in Tampa. They make those because they make them by machine even. But they just have wheelbarrows full of tobacco chop that they bring into these rooms and they mix it all up, stir it all up, and they feed it into the machines and out comes the Prince of But all the chop comes from the Padron factories.
1: Hmm, cool. Well, love I love uh, clues. Uh, I took my nephew down to the factory last year and um we I had contacted a lady I know in the organization to see if we could just you know get a quick tour of the place and we showed up and she said hey um Eric is here today he would probably give you the tour and I said well that'd be even more cool and so Eric Newman came and gave us the best tour of a cigar factory I've ever been in. I mean, he, you know, just the fact that he had all the family history and the stories to tell, sneak, and sneak. and knew so much about everything in there, it it was really cool. And We spent a couple hours with him going around, and it, it was nice.
0: Eric knows, as you said, he knows the family oh, yeah. history, yep. and and he's a kook. The guy is funny. Yeah. I, had a ball talking with Eric Newman. I think he's great, and his brother is really good. They're so different. If you if you saw the two of them and didn't know who they were, saw the two of them in a room, you couldn't tell which one was which. You know, um, you couldn't tell they were brothers. They're yeah. so dissimilar. Yeah, know, yeah. Stature, and and did you know that Eric was the athlete? He was the football player in college,
2: and he's I the short not- one
0: with curly hair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he is—he was the athlete.
1: So. Well, cool. What uh, what do we got next here? Oh, well, this is a question for me, uh, asking if you know, I don't know how familiar the two of you are with Winwood Cigars, which is one of Christian Uroa's new ventures. I think he's partnered with someone else at Winwood, and I actually think that someone else just left the company, so it may just be Christian now. Um. But his Winwood has released or began to ship these uh, cigars. They're calling factory fresh, and they got a couple of different lines. And the idea is those cigars, the the bunch is bunched ahead of time and set aside for some number of weeks, and then the wrappers put on. They're dropped in a box, dated, and shipped out that day. And no storage, no aging of any kind. Just to let people try them fresh, try them after a week, two weeks, six months, what you know, and decide what they want to do with them.
0: Okay. I've seen <laughs> these cigars. I haven't smoked one. I'll say right up front, I haven't smoked one. Storing a bunch of leaves just because you bunch them together doesn't give them the same aging characteristics that a, a full cigar ages nor is it, it's more akin to the way tobacco is aged as part of, as at the end of the fermentation process. If I get my terminology right here, it's been a while since I'd stirred up these brain cells. So for them to do this, I'm sorry. I I love Christian I I have met him. I do enjoy talking to him. I think he's a smart guy, but let's be honest here. This is a way to sell cigars without having to pay for storage. <laughs> yeah. that, that was
1: my question on what you thought. If you thought it was a marketing gimmick or a valid experiment.
2: It's, it's an interesting one, though. I, I agree with Bob. I think there there is some of that to this. But it, it calls for a lot of uh, manufacturing expertise and marketing uh, intel, I guess. Because if if they become popular... I, you know who knows, <clears throat> but if they become popular, how do you keep enough going to to keep the factory going to sell to meet demand, rolling them at that pace without having a place to store cigars? That would be tough in the first place.
1: Uh, yeah, just in time is going to be hard yeah, to work with. A cigar just in time moment.
2: doesn't work in the cigar retail end of the business very well. I mean, manufacturing end of the business. I mean, if if they think they're going to sell five million cigars next year, you can't pull. One three hundred and sixty-fifth of that every day of the year.
0: Well, I don't it know. It works for work. Roma cigars. That's pretty much what they do. Is the the dollar comes in the front door and it goes out as a cigar in the back door. So that's
2: true. But they aren't selling five million
0: cigars no, a year either. No. And I, no. you know, I don't think Christian wants to sell five million anymore. I think he's yeah, absolutely. He's in but the I'm just business. from that
2: point of view. If this turns out to be a hit for some reason, and I've not smoked one either. But if if they're really good cigars, that'll be an interesting. Well, here's uh, the thing. Dilemma yeah.
0: for them. Go buy some today and tell me in a year if they're any good,
2: yeah that's the thing you, <laughs> need, you know? need to buy some and smoke them and I mean you know if the, if the tobacco in the bunch you know if the tobacco is properly fermented and it's well aged and then it's bunched and it's set aside for you know whether it's two months or six months it doesn't matter Bob makes a good point you put the wrapper on them and then you set them down, let them sit for six months to a year that marrying process of the tobacco will. Will take on a different characteristic because now you've added a new leaf to it. You've added that uh, that wrapper and maybe even another binder. I don't know. know, Well,
0: and you've added that compression. You've added that compression that goes into a cigar.
2: So you know there there may be something something to this for those who want to taste a cigar that's supposedly fresh, and set it aside for six months or a year and see how it changes. My guess is if you like them fresh, though, they're never going to last that long.
1: Yeah, and and what I See, I do have a local shop that has these. I tried a couple of them. One, they're not inexpensive cigars. I mean, they're not passing along any savings if they're saving money from not storing, you know, holding inventory. But uh, the, the boxes that are on the shelf at my local shop are a couple of months old at this point. They were made in early July. So it's not, it's no longer a week's time. Now you, you got to wonder, are you in? A, a sick period where now you got a cigar that's past, you know, a certain point where it's no longer a quote-unquote fresh rolled cigar, but it's not really ready for prime time to be smoked either. Like
2: and that.
0: and there's no cigar store in the world that can store cigars the way they store them at the factory because right. they spend those are typically very sealed. Not in some factories they're sealed like huge refrigerators, you know, and very controlled. Others they're they're rooms that are sealed and and taken very good care of. So and the cigars are rotated so that ones on top don't get more air than the ones on the bottom. And how many cigar shops can replicate that formula? Zero.
1: Zero. (laughs) And and you know the other thing, the the Fuente factory, we go into the Hemingway room down there and they have you know three quarters of a million Hemingways piled up in this room, all stored naked on cedar shelves, and a full rotation every six weeks.
0: You will never see that in a retailer.
2: No. <laughs> Absolutely. And here's, and here's the
0: big thing for me, and I'll ask you, Kip, since you brought this up. At what point in this process of rolling, packing, and shipping do they fumigate those cigars? At what point do they make sure there's the beetles are dead in those cigars? Because typically that's done, either they fumigate the tobacco, Prior to the rolling process, or they freeze them. Yeah, they and uh, flash freeze them, which is more common because fumigation yeah. brings other things into it. Right. Um, although not, don't get me wrong, folks. Uh, they don't fumigate with the kind of chemicals that, that I use on my lawn and, and things like <laughs> that. It's, it's not a, a killer thing, but not at any what more point? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you got to know where to go, and I can tell you, I know a guy who knows a guy who's got a brother-in-law. <laughs> Yeah. But this, uh, at, so at what point do they freeze them?
1: I have no idea. I know it is a very small operation down there. It's in Miami. This uh, Winwood Cigars. I don't want them in my humidor. And
2: I, I, don't had, they, uh, I don't think they.
1: I don't think they have Huma's a large scale flash freezer. Oh, yeah. did
2: yeah. Well Yeah. I think I think Kip brings up the best point though, uh, at least from my point of view. If I mean, we've all smoked cigars that have come right off the rolling table, whether it's at a factory, or a show, or whatever, but. Uh, the three of us have had a lot of experience taking a cigar right off the rolling table. They usually taste pretty good. I mean, you can tell the tobacco may have some ammonia left or something, but <laughs> some. they, gener- they generally are, <laughs> taste pretty good, though. You put that same cigar down, and within you know a month to three months, it goes through that sick period that, that Kip was talking about. Now, Dominican, Nicaraguan, Honduran cigars don't go to that through that the same extent that Cuban cigars do, but they do. And most cigar factories set aside rolled finished cigars for some period, usually 60 days, sometimes longer. And it gets rid of that first initial sick period. You get rid of the most of the ammonia, then they go out on the market and they taste about like they will for the next few months. Uh, I'm not sure that you can really experience that with these cigars the way the, at least the press release makes it sound to Kip's point. Uh, you know, they roll them, they put them in a box, supposedly they ship them that day. Well, oh, that's fine. Then they sit in a port for a couple of weeks, and then they go in a container, and then they sit on a boat for three weeks. And then they come to the U.S., and they get in a port, and they sit there for two or three weeks and clear customs. Then they go to a wholesaler. Then they go to a retailer. By the time you pick them up in your store, they've gone through that first initial part of the sick period.
0: Yeah. Uh, so and, so well, I, don't, you know, I don't know if it's... Under sick, less than ideal sick, conditions.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And these are actually rolled in Miami. So some, some oh, part right, of that process right. is, is cut out, but still you're exactly right. And we had Skip Martin on a few weeks ago and, and he was saying exactly what you're just saying that if he gets a cigar right off the table or within a week or so, yep. it, it has a certain profile that's enjoyable. Typically it hasn't yet started that, you know, major off gassing. Right. And then, but after that two week point, he would not smoke until. 60 to 90 days and, yeah. and that time in between is not not a, a particularly good time to have the cigar.
0: I think it's a marketing gimmick but I don't necessarily think it's a bad marketing gimmick yeah, I think I, it may think be a, it may yeah. be a very effective marketing gimmick and, and gimmick is is maybe a strong word but it's a marketing technique because he's turning everything upside down on the cigar world How else do you get that's a great way to get noticed you just it is the whole idea upside down.
2: That's right. Because everybody else in the world is trying to age their cigars, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: and, uh, you know, how else can you figure out new things without trying something? Exactly. i got a plane going over right now if you guys hear a lot of background noise. No, we're not hearing squat.
2: Hey, I'm curious. I just hit an interesting flavor in this cigar. How far are you guys into yours?
1: I am really far into it. i got maybe two inches left.
2: What you got? Bob, Bob's a little behind there, probably. Yeah, maybe. He, he's got the technique of slow smoking down. Yeah, he's not too far behind, yeah. I, I've been getting lots of wood flavors. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, not a lot of sweetness, just maybe a little bit underneath. Uh, not a lot of spice, just just a good solid wood and maybe some leather kind of flavors. And suddenly, wow, I got this, uh, and I didn't get this on the cigar last night, but I got a kind of a, uh, that citrus flavor, we've talked about in the past over and over and over, uh, that comes out as kind of orange peel. I just wonder if anybody else has picked that up in this cigar.
1: I, I did earlier on. I actually made a mental note that it was kind of citrusy. Huh. and okay. I, I lit mine a good bit earlier than you guys, I guess, but I sometimes have a tendency to smoke a little fast, too, and I've noticed already that I'm really having to pay attention not to oversmoke this thing. It,
0: it's easily getting hot.
2: Hmm, yeah. What do you think I, I, of this cigar, Bob?
0: I think it has a great little acidic or acerbic ting to it, and I think that's yep. the citrus that you're referring to. I I smoked the one earlier today. I brushed my teeth. I I did not comb my hair because I, I did <laughs> determine that that wouldn't affect my enjoyment of the cigar, but then I had a cup of tea that was very good, and I enjoyed I smoked it down to where I couldn't hold it anymore. I thought it was a very good cigar, and I'm hoping that it's about two dollars a stick because I could I could smoke these you know four or five times a week. Yeah. And I know Kip's kind of a cheap son of a gun, so <laughs> the odds are in my favor on this. But no, I think it's saliva. good. I, I I like that little bit of acidity. It keeps the saliva going, helps keep your palate refreshed. And anytime you can I mean like I said, this is the second one today, so anytime you can get a Woody twice a day. Yeah
2: exactly.
0: It's <laughs> a pretty good thing. I'm sorry. Get a little wood in your flavors. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not a bad thing.
2: So, Kip, now that we're all in the middle or a little past this cigar, what do you think are the main core components of the flavor?
0: Well,
1: early on, like I said, it had that citrus kind of. Not not as it wasn't really a specific citrus to me. It was just something that made me think of citrus, and it was at that point a lot sweeter than it is now. Now now I don't have any kind of sweetness whatsoever, and if I do puff a little fast. And it gets that that heat that really kind of puts a burn on the back of my throat and i'm I'm trying with mixed results trying not to do that right. um, but it has gotten much more uh, uh, I even stopped short of saying woodsy it's not like an oaken kind of woodsiness it, it is woodsy. Only in the quality of the flavor, not not necessarily in. This is going to sound ridiculous. The fervor, <laughs> it's not that that high f- pitch if it high, were sound. It's
2: that intense in, in wood, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: and and it's almost like a um, a sharp. Golly, this sounds awful, and I mean this in a good way. A, a rotten kind of wood that. Produces a sharp nuttiness, like you got a little piece of the nutshell in with a nut. You know, that little, little bit of bitterness is not completely unpleasant, but it's not necessarily expected either.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, I was Bob, Bob chuckling back there. Well, actually. because every time you guys talk about it, I keep thinking
0: about those Cialis commercials where they say, you know, if it lasts longer than four <laughs> hours, call your doctor. And I've turned to my wife many times. She's tired of hearing this. I said, call my doctor. Hell, I'm calling the newspaper. <laughs> That's am so right. Calling everybody. Um, but anyway, we digress. I, now, I did see something come up in the chat room here that goes back to your previous news story about Padrone that I oh, yeah. think may affect their 50th year celebration.
2: Ah, oh, what's that?
0: Cigar Man for Life says, Padron will be selling plenty of those hail-damaged leaves this year or next.
2: <laughs> they'll end They'll end up in that uh, short, chop filler cigar you were talking
0: yep, about. It will. <laughs> <laughs> See, I brought it back to cigars. So I always bring oh, it back to cigars. Good man. I haven't lost that yet.
2: I I will say, speaking of this cigar one more time, I I always like to just, in the middle of the cigar, make sure we talk about it a little bit. Uh, The burn is magnificent. Uh, And like you, Kip, the the cigar I smoked last night, the same cigar, I smoked it much faster than I'm smoking tonight, and it got hot, and at about the halfway point it started getting a little, eh, I don't know about tarry would be the right word, but it got a little bitter and unpleasant. Actually... Yeah, with the conversation tonight, I'm smoking much slower and I'm enjoying it much more than I did last night.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's the dementia creeping up on me or what it is, but I have slowed down even more on my cigars. I had a little one that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. One of those. A little what? Little oh. Corona. <laughs> this morning, <laughs> and uh, boy, that one's just too easy. I can't even. There's so many thoughts going through my mind, I can't pick one. The uh, that I smoked for like an hour and a half. And, or longer. So, mm-hmm. I, I really have gotten much slower, and I smoke at my desk all day, because I work right here. This is where I work. And I do smoke all day. But I find I smoke fairly slow. I, I, I don't put my cigar down very much, although I'm a two-fingered typist, so I put it in my mouth while I type. Right. But I do smoke very slow. And so, when I smoked this cigar, the first one and this one, I never had a problem with it heating up but I can see how it could very quickly. It's got a, a loose enough draw on it that it's just going to, it's going to furnace on you if you really start huffing this thing. Um, so you've got to kind of take it easy on
2: I, it. I like it. There's a quote for you, Kip. It's going to furnace on you if you start huffing it. <laughs> that herf's not a copyrighted term, is it? I don't no. think
0: so. <laughs> no, it's public, it's public domain. That's right. Um, now... The fact that that was my quote, you might have a little issue with that from a trademark copyright perspective, but (laughs) we can, we can work that out. (laughs) We can work that out.
1: Well, what do we got next on here? This is one of uh, uh, Gary Griffith's new cigars coming out. And this is, uh, of course, last year he did the Drake K. This year is the Drake Cayucero. And it has, I'm glad you pronounced that. Yeah, I, I mispronounced that thing. Countless times before I was set straight. It's Caillou and uh, this one he is actually one of the House of Emilio brands is making this for him. that's Noel Roja down at Guaycan. Uh, I think Bob's familiar with him, and mm-hmm. makes some really good cigars. And he's making this one for Gary. And what interested me is it's going to have a Brazilian Araparaca wrapper and then Nicaraguan binder and filler in it. And I, I'm excited to try that myself. Uh, an, anxiously awaiting those to hit the shelves.
2: That sounds like that might be right up my alley. Man, I'm i tell you, pull a
0: Dale m- on you and, and correct your spelling here. Let me fix <laughs> it up so, for you. Um, okay. araparaca.
2: Araparaca.
0: Araparica. Araparica. I. I'm I don't know how excited I am about this because there are other cigars out there that are Brazilian or Robert Rocco over Nika tobacco. Um so yeah. we'll see. I you know, Gary's got a tough thing going on. Now Gary has had to change the name of almost all of his cigars except the drag. Uh, which puts him in quite a league with some very large cigar makers that have had to change the names of their cigars recently. Do you guys do you guys notice how the uh Cuenca y blanco changed to c y b oh
2: did yeah. That, yeah that's been oh, yeah, a while yeah. back
0: yeah. yeah, and that was because of a they infringed on uh, a fairly large cigar retailer down in the Miami area
1: yeah a retailer and they now they have a house line and now their own special line their fifth anniversary line yeah. which was a phenomenal cigar I love that cigar
0: so they were already putting out Cuenca cigars. Uh huh. Um, they came on with the Cuenca y Blanco.
1: And, and you saw within the past couple of weeks that Jose Blanco has left Hoya de Nicaragua?
0: He retired
1: again.
2: He retired <laughs> again, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, I gotta admit, uh, cause this came up in a, I was in a, a, a conference call with DC and some of the guys a couple of weeks ago and this came up. I, are you guys, either one of you, surprised that he left Hoya de Nicaragua?
1: Well, yes and yeah. no. Yeah, I'm surprised he left this soon. If you had told me a couple months ago he was going to leave, I would have been surprised. But the fact that within you know three to four to five days before the announcement that he was leaving, there was a big I won't say mix-up, but a, a reorganization where they appointed a number of new guys to new positions and rearranged. And of course, Steve Saka had just left. And so I guess it would, in that respect, it wasn't really a big surprise at that point.
0: Well, oh, but that was Drew Estate. Yeah. Shook all that up and well, brought him an outsider.
1: Steve Saka leaving Drew Estate, but the other three were Hoya de Nicaragua. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. I I'm not surprised because I expected to see his thumbprint on Hoya de Nicaragua much quicker. I think that's why he went over there. Was yeah, he did, wanted did, to make his mark? didn't show up. Did yeah. not show up.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. yeah. I guess there were some rumors and rumblings, too, that the CYB was not especially doing as well in the market as they had hoped.
0: It's not. <laughs> and especially since they had to go back and change the name. That's expensive. Yeah. You to oh, do all that marketing as Cuenca Blanco, and then some some troll lawyer steps up and says, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and, and we know who that was, but we won't <laughs> say. and um, I lost my
1: train of thought. Now that was funny.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, he's the best patent lawyer in the business when it comes to cigars, and if I he had is. a need, I would hire him in a heartbeat. So and yeah, and I'm, I can't
1: imagine he hasn't had to serve himself before. Yeah, <laughs> he <laughs> no, did. That's
0: funny, he did recently. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um. I don't know if we can talk about this. I better probably, not say it anymore.
2: Probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not a good idea.
0: Well, it's it is public record in a oh, certain right. way, but I don't know yeah. how to go into it. Well, let's I'll let's get
2: back guys. to let's get back off to Jose though. Yeah. I'll
0: tell you guys off the air.
2: You know you know what I'm surprised, and, and like Kip, maybe it's surprising, maybe it isn't. But I expected there to be two or three or four more cigar blends come out uh, with Blanco's fingerprint on it, as you put it that had more of the Peruvian and some Dominican tobaccos, you know, different blends mix it up. Uh, so, so like I said, I was kind of surprised we didn't see more of that. And I know you can't just run out there and make seven or eight cigar brands, but uh, he was we there long enough. We only saw one. And I don't Yeah, think, we only saw one. And, and, and it wasn't uh, very good. And I don't think, I don't know. I guess I'm, my suspicion is his blending style didn't fit the Hoya de Nicaragua history and tradition. That's that's my guess. Oh,
0: I think it goes deeper than that. I don't think it was just Hoya de Nicaragua. I think, because Drew Estates is very involved with Hoya de Nicaragua. They are the distributor, worldwide distributor now for Hoya de Nicaragua. I've been for a couple of years. I cannot imagine Jonathan Drew and Jose Blanco sitting at the dinner table going, okay, so what do you want to do next? How do you want to send these out? What do you think we ought to make? I just cannot see that conversation ever happening. Really. To either's of their satisfaction. They're they're mm. total because they're totally different. They're not they're not alike, I don't think at all. And oh, yeah. I don't see those two as being buddy buddy business partners. Not that they and don't you- like each other or anything like that. I'm not saying that. They have totally no. different approaches. Could you could you just imagine what Drew wants to, to name the next Toyota Nicaragua cigar, it's not going to be anything classy like Cuenca y Blanco, CYP. Yeah. You know, it would be the swinging beep down the hall, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you know, Drew Estates has had a really big push in the market in the past few months. They mm-hmm. introduced that uh, Kentucky Fire Cured, which coincided with Sam Lucia's Dark Fire and. Actually a couple of other folks have said they're gonna use that leaf now. They're breaking into the pipe tobacco world with eight pipe tobacco blends they're releasing that they uh what is that? The Nika rustica, which originally was gonna have a strain of you know, Nic- Nicosiana rustica tobacco in it and right. that that's not the case. That has been dropped out for the time being, but at the show um, I was talking to Johnny Brook, and he said they're still working on using that leaf. They want to use it, but they, they at least are trying some different things that either haven't been tried before, or at least not in memory. Some things that haven't been tried
0: oh, in a while. They no. will always try things that have never been tried. That's what that's how they made their bones in the business to start with. Was doing it in a way that nobody else did, and and I give them all the cred in the world. I think Liga Pravada, and and I like the bait fish. I think the Baitfish is an outstanding cigar. I don't like any other line, any other size in that line of my Uzi, but I like the Baitfish. I think some of the Liga Privadas are pretty good cigars. I don't like all of them. Some of them I think are just tar asphalt. <laughs> smoking. Yeah. But did you? But that's my personal thing. I that doesn't. I, they're doing the Liga Pravada is a very, very popular cigar, and a lot of people like the Liga Pravada. But how many cigars? Can you name that Drew Estate has actually come up with and have been successful? The Liga Pravada, and and I don't know how well the My Uzi is going. I think it's going pretty well, but those are the only two.
1: Yeah, outside of the flavored cigars that uh-huh. they are uh, their bread and butter.
0: And they need to do something, because flavored cigars are going to get kicked off the market. They're yeah. already in trouble. And they were way too dependent, and they're not the only ones, but they were very dependent on their flavored cigar line.
1: Did you know they made that uh, My Uzi Ways a Ton in a Corona as a shop, a shop exclusive mm-hmm. for outland cigars?
2: No. Yep, I, I'd heard that. I haven't had one, but I've heard that. I
1: I have one cigar coupe uh, sent me one to try. I have not yet lit it, but I'm really interested to try that because the Corona is much more my size. I, I don't care for those big, giant bazooka. That's my
0: why Uzi I like Waisetan. the bait fish. Yeah, that's yeah. why I like the baked fish. I think and it's I, a And I like size. the Dirty
2: Rat. I think the Dirty Rat's the probably the best cigar in that line.
1: You know, when that Dirty Rat, the first time those came out, I tried one and it just ate me alive. It it, it just, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I could feel it burning <laughs> the lining in my mouth. It, it was just yeah. that much. And then uh, within the past six months or so, I came across some in a shop in uh, um, Claremont, Florida. Just happened to be driving through and stopped there and and i grabbed a couple and they were so good man they were they were fantastic cigars and i thought man i was stupid for giving up after one of those in the early on
0: well i think drew has a lot of potential to do a lot of really good cigars but i i I don't think you're ever going to see a very wide line of cigars from them because of the size of the company and that's okay that's not a that's not a criticism at all but they've had some misfires that didn't go very well. You know, their their attempt at a partnership with Illusion Cigars did not go very well for either one. And Steve Saka leaving, I don't know if that's going to be good or bad. I don't, I don't know anything about this guy they got. I don't think anybody seems to know much of anything about him. I don't know where he came from. But I'm I'm trying to find a way to segue into this whole fire-cured tobacco thing. <laughs> just jump. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. Just just do yeah. it. Because I'm really curious. I mean, it, it, fire-cured tobacco is not new. It's been around as long as every other kind of tobacco, really. It's the way they did it in, in Virginia and some of those places where they didn't have the climatic conditions to do the Dominican-style, Nicaraguan-style of, of barn curing and stuff. So they used fire to dry it out, and, and it adds a smoky flavor to it. And, and I hate to be too critical of it because I like Sam Lucia a lot, and I actually like his um, black-banded cigar, but that's not the one with the fire-cured tobacco. That is,
1: that is the one with fire-cured Oh, okay,
0: it is. But it does remind me of smoking a pipe. You know, and,
1: this this tobacco you're talking about is used extensively in pipe tobaccos. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And and I, I'm not sure that that's going to be a big win in the market for anybody. I think it's a niche market. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, I don't like it enough to be drawn back to it. Tranquilos carries those cigars, and I find myself passing them up for other things every time I go in there and spend any money.
1: I really like that black label in, in the, uh,
0: the Robusto size. I've
1: gone through yeah. quite a few of those, actually.
2: I'm um, a big fan of that Fire Cured, too, but I think there's only a couple of cigars, and I think Sam hit on it pretty good, but I think there's only a couple of cigars out there that use it in the right proportions and I'm hoping in the next year or two uh we get lots of different people trying it in different blends cuz I think it's got a lot of potential
1: well the uh, uh, Drew Estate one uses by my estimate far far more than the Lusia Black it it yeah. the Lusia Black it, it stored in a humidor for a while will mostly it'll lose a lot of that you can still smell it at the foot and not not a whole lot more and as you're smoking it, it tends to really lighten up. But the the KFC from True Estates, I got a couple of those, and they were in individual Ziploc bags in the bigger bag of uh, you know, IPCPR samples. And right. open that bigger bag, and the whole bag smelled like those cigars. They're just really, really potent smell to them. Yeah, I,
2: th- I think that's a wonderful flavor, but I think it's a great nuance flavor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I,
0: I question Drew's ability to properly name a product. <laughs> you know. I mean, I and I don't I like Drew. I actually like Jonathan. I I think Jonathan's a lot of fun to be around. I think he's got a good mind when it's there. Oh yeah, great guy. Yeah. Um but why would you name your cigar the KFC? I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> I've seen some <laughs> fan-based or fan-generated ads where they just took the Kentucky Fried Chicken logo with the little uh, caricatured Colonel Sanders and replaced it with the face from the Drew Estate's little guy with the mustache.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, calling it Kentucky fire cured isn't even very original. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, because just because that's what it happens to have in it, you didn't see uh, Punch calling it. Oh, this is the It At least had a name for it. Um, so I would like yeah. to see. I think. I think his marketing is skewed outside of my age group considerably, so it's yeah, very it's hard his for me to judge. I think
2: his, dem- his demographic target is a little different than us.
0: Yeah, so it's very hard yeah. to, to pass any judgment. Um, he, I mean, by all accounts, he's successful. He's been in the business long enough that you can count him successful. So um, well, I, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they brought in Willie Herrera. We haven't seen his cigar yet that he was doing for him. The uh, Herrera Esteli? Oh, yeah, that, that's right. They changed the name on that, didn't they? I forgot.
1: But but that is that is out now.
0: Is it, um, I haven't seen it in a shop
1: near me. I can so. get you a couple of those. My local shop's got them. Um, but he was at the uh, Chattanooga Tweet-Up I went to several weeks ago, and they actually handed out a prototype he's been working on that's coming out next spring. It doesn't have a name or anything yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, hmm. I smoked a new cigar coming out from Miami Cigar Company that Barry Oh, oh, the kilo did the blending on. Yeah, the kilo. I think yeah, it's a fine cigar. I liked it. I, I yeah. enjoyed it quite a bit. I, yeah.
2: I haven't had one yet. I'm going to have to. I haven't seen any in the shops around here.
0: Well, it's not it, out yet.
2: Oh, that, well, that's, that explains that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but again, the marketing aspect is to a much younger audience than us, and that's the the entire cigar industry has got to figure out how to get those twenty somethings on board cuz we're going the rest of us are going to die off eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. and it's 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 hard to smoke in an iron lung, but they they're looking for ways and so naming is one of the ways and I think Drew probably has the best track record when it comes to naming things to attract a younger audience. His marketing certainly appeals to a younger audience and that's what the Kilo is intended for. That's why the name Kilo. Um it has You know, that little bit of a drug reference. It has a youthful aspect to it. Uh, The band, I think, could use a little bit of a kick up. It's hard to read. Um, It's white on gold, as I recall. So it could use a little bit of a kick. But the cigar is fantastic. So he's got half, you know, a big chunk of the battle taken care of there. But I look forward to that hitting the market sometime soon, too.
1: Hmm. You know, we we actually had Barry on kind of had him on last week he had a thunderstorm that knocked his power out about 10 minutes before the show started but he he went above and beyond he drove down to his local cigar shop and used their wi-fi and called in on his phone for a little bit mm-hmm. but uh yeah he gave me a kilo or actually a couple of them to try at the at the same gathering at the chattanooga tweet up i thought the same thing i thought it was a fantastic cigar and actually is one of if I had to go pick a Miami cigar distributed line, uh, that would be a top two or three
2: choice for me. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it at that moment. Yeah. Well, maybe Barry's hit on a pretty good uh, recipe then if he can market to the, as Bob said, you know, try and get the, the new younger smokers, and by that I certainly mean those of age legal to smoke. Yeah, uh, half our age. <laughs> yeah, half our age. And make a really good cigar to go with it. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good recipe for a cigar. Well,
0: you know, I mean Miami Cigar carries the um, the full line from La Aurora. They distribute La Aurora. They do a lot of fine stuff there. They have the Nestor Placencia lines, which I think are some incredibly very good cigars. Um, out of those those Nestor Placencias and now I'm drawing a complete blank on the name. I can see the the packaging on them, but um, the black and brown tan labels. Uh, the special reserve or something like that. Nestor Miranda, Miranda. Miranda. I'm sorry. I always get those two confused. It was really embarrassing when I got them the two of them confused, and I was talking to Nestor Placencia Jr. And I said, yeah. you know, I really like your dad's cigars, and I named it Nestor Miranda cigar. But,
2: <laughs> not good.
0: No, not good at all. He laughed. He thought it was pretty funny. He remembered me the next time I met him, too, because of that. Um, so I think <laughs> so they 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 certainly have the capability to do some very good cigars, but the Nestor um those Nestor cigars do not go to a younger audience. Um, as good as they are, they just don't speak to that younger audience. Like, I mean, you look at what Drew's done with the Acid line. There's right there is a is a marketing gimmick, if you want to call it a gimmick, but a marketing plan that puts those square in the sights of a younger smoking audience um, for the entire Acid line. The bands are hip and new and and colorful. The flavors are different. And out of this world, um, so they they attract that younger audience very quickly, and so I think Drew's done a very good job of that. And the only mm-hmm. disappointment to me is they don't, they haven't been as successful doing a <laughs> a more conservative cigar, I guess, <laughs> a, is more is traditional. I yeah, more traditional. I tell you though,
2: I I still think the sleeper. I don't know how it's doing in the market, but I think the Underground is probably oh, probably that cigar that uh really is a traditional high quality good cigar, and I think it's a sleeper. I think it gets you know the the oozy gets all the press, the acids get all the press, and the under, underground in the meantime is just if you want a go to cigar that's a pretty good one
1: right. yeah and and the again the robusto in that that line is fantastic yeah. to me, and yeah. just as a little bit of a rat hole the the box from the underground robustos makes an incredible domino case. It works oh, no. perfectly.
0: <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the Undercrown is a wonderful cigar, too. I There's three cigars that I would put at the top of my list for coffee in the morning. Um, the Undercrown Corona size would be one of those. The other one is, oh, I can't believe it. It's the uh, Antonio Dark Corojo Corona. Yep. And the third one is, and Dale, you're going to laugh at this. It is the... Uh, Room one oh one
1: and san andres
0: yep, yeah, um that one in the in that little corona they have oh that's a that's the cigar I smoked for an hour and a half this morning with my coffee and computer and all that um I think, and that's a fairly inexpensive cigar, I think it's four bucks four fifty
1: you know Craig and I usually have somewhat similar palettes or appreciations for. Cigars most of the time, but we radically depart ways with the uh, Namakubi from Room 101, and specifically in one size, I, I I did not care for any of those cigars except the Tiburon, which is like six by forty-four, I think, and I think that is just a phenomenal cigar, and it's probably one of my two favorites from Room 101 as a whole. But he can't stand them; he thinks they're just terrible. I just yeah. <laughs> I've seen I sent him some. Unbanded as a as a trick on him, and he, he just right off the bat he's like, yeah, I don't like this at all. <laughs> he just didn't See, like I, it.
0: well, I re- I'm with you. I like the Namakubi a lot in the small size, um, but because of the price difference between that and the San Andreas, which is about two bucks, I'll smoke the San Andreas every time. Um, <laughs> it's a less expensive cigar, and so that's why I put it in my three. I'll smoke with with coffee in the morning. I would put the new Amakubi in there, except it's so much more expensive than any of those other ones in that list. And, and out of that list, I think the Underground's probably the most expensive, as I recall, is because uh, the the Hoya de Nicaragua Antonio Dark Corojos are you can get fairly inexpensively, relatively speaking.
1: Yeah, I really like that same size. I think you said the Corona size. I think they call yeah. it the Peligroso or something. Peligroso, like yes. Yep. Yeah,
0: yep. I. That cigar is just right up there with Almost Perfect. I like that cigar a lot.
1: Yeah, I do too. So. Well, I am jumping all over the place here. Oh, what a...
0: Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the the uh, San Andreas just surprises me because I I typically don't like Mexican tobacco. I just I, I find it not to have a good flavor. A it good has grown on me enjoy. in the...
1: In the past 12 months, I, no. I would have said the same thing 12 months ago, but I, I've had a few that I really liked. Um, I like Eddie Ortega's Siri D Siri Maduro, mm-hmm. but they're a little more potent than I typically reach for every day or every hour. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but uh, two of them have come up recently that I just loved, and one was a limited run from Tatuaje. They did the Mexican experiment, and I think is probably my favorite. Uh, Mexican wrap cigar I've ever had, but it's a darn good cigar. he yeah. only made 300 or so bundles of those in two sizes, and so they're gone forever. And I talked yeah. to him at a, at a at an event, and he said it will remain an experiment. He didn't have any plans to ever do that again. Well, um, I think
0: the but, difference is that they've finally there's a there's a group of people that have figured out how to properly use that Mexican tobacco, like the San Andreas wrappers and stuff, instead of, because they hid it from us for years. A lot of them used it, but they didn't tell you they used it. Yeah. Because people, well, because it had a bad connotation. They didn't think it would go in the market. And, but now you've got people that are, you know, the Room 101 cigar, the Tatawaje that you mentioned, the um, Eddie Ortega cigar, they figured out finally how to properly use that Mexican tobacco in conjunction with other tobaccos, to bring out the best of it, and I don't think they're hiding it. I think they've found a way to overcome some of the criticisms of that particular tobacco. Um, You know, because they did that one, E.O. Cigars, before they broke up, did the bat. um, Mercy Lago. Mercy (laughs) Lago. And Dale, do you remember what you said about it?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I never was a big fan of that cigar.
0: No. And it, it had that dusty, dry flavor to it. It, that it, it, smoking it was almost like you were picking up something off the floor and smoking it. <laughs> it had gotten dirty, um, and that was I, I think, that that was the the Mexican tobacco in it, and it could have been a very good cigar. Too bad it's gone now. A lot of EO stuff is
1: gone. The I, other you know. other Mexican one, or at least Mexican wrapper that I had recently that I absolutely adored. Was another Miami cigar offering that's not out yet. And of course, with my luck, it's another limited run that's only going to be a Midwest release. So I have Craig on lookout for these cigars because I told him I want a box of these things because they come 10 to a box. And it was an Nestor Miranda special selection exclusive old regional or something like that. And I think they did a bang up job and it, I would not call it a dead match or a, you know, perfectly similar cigar, but it is a suitable replacement for that Mexican experiment we were just talking about. It's it's similar enough that if you had a craving for one, the other would work just fine. Hmm.
0: So yeah. I think that's been the change why the Mexican tobacco is becoming more popular and why people like you and me, who didn't ever like it before. I don't know, have you ever had these, Dale, the San Andreas?
2: I have not had one yet.
0: No. You need to try this. Now I had... Usually I smoke the small Corona version. I don't know exactly what size it is, but it's a small Corona. Um, I had one last night. I'd gotten in the mail that was a six by sixty of this cigar, and that had that was one of the worst cigars I've had <laughs> yeah. in, in a long yeah. time. At the at the beginning it was okay. The first third or so it didn't smoke too bad, but you got down to the second half of that cigar, and it just oh it was just tar. It just it was awful. It was too big. Hmm. Um, yeah. The, the blend didn't work in that size. Yeah, I,
1: I have trouble with most all 60-ring cigars. I, I, I'm just not comfortable with them, so that tends to take a lot away from the experience. Same here. The one I, I did there's enjoy I really one like recently. The
2: flavor. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Um, there's a new company down south, uh, maybe in Miami or just outside Miami somewhere, called King's Cigars. And they put out a six by sixty that's box pressed, and they call it the King of Kings. And I thought that was a pretty good cigar that was manageable for me. With the the press on it, made it you know not quite as awkward as a you know
0: cylindrical sixty ring cigar. Yeah. One of the cigars that Charmed Leaf is carrying is a six by sixty square pressed Cuban. It's called the name of it is Cuban Stock. Now normally, mm-hmm. if I walked into a shop and I saw something named Cuban Stock, I'd say, yeah, right, I'm going to smoke that. (laughs) Never. But (laughs) Might as well say Florida Cuban Stock. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We were down there a few weeks ago for a Miami cigar event, and Frank had these, and, and one of the guys that we had met in the shop before was there, and he said, you've got to try this cigar. This is better than the Frank Herrera biography, he said. And he bought two of them for us. Liz had one, I had one. And we ended up walking out of there with a half a box of them because they really are, if you ever find Cuban stock um, in that 6x60 six box press, well, square press, excuse me, it's a good, very good cigar. Forget what, just take the band off, throw it away, light it up, and you'll never think about <laughs> yeah. the name again. But they're hard to find. They're not everywhere, but they are a very good cigar. They're not cheap. They're not a cheap cigar. Um, i mean there's 6 or 8 bucks i think for the 6x60 six something in that range
2: that's yeah, um, not bad though that's kind normal. Of a sweet spot yeah. yeah
1: yeah you know we had a, a listener that was having some trouble with uh, his throat getting really sore he would smoke a cigar over the weekend and you have two or three days of a sore throat and and he decided that was a, an established pattern it was every time he's having a cigar and he was just really frustrated. He didn't want to give up cigars, but he was on that line and we actually traded emails. His name's Enzo. and I traded emails with him for a long time and he managed to track it down and was confident that it was Cuban stock cigars <laughs> because when he went back to his other brands, it didn't happen. It was just those cigars that were... It, something physiolog- he- Physiologically, something didn't agree with his body in those yeah. cigars.
0: Did, did you know that Physiologically, women have almost twice as many taste buds as men to start with. Okay. That's I didn't a, a did know that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that so they, many of them have such incredible palates.
1: Many of the uh, factories I've been in always have women's color-matching cigars at the end of the process because they say they can better differentiate the colors.
0: Well, and I I also think that's because the guys get bored really quick and just don't pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's face it. uh, Women have much better ability to focus in on a task for a longer period of time than men do. I mean, I can't think about the same thing for more than five minutes.
1: Well, either Uh, that or they just really want the colors to match, and a guy thinks we're just going to light these things on fire. who cares? cares?
0: I mean, I've got six computers here because I can't keep myself entertained on just one. (laughs) I have to have a phone and a iPad and a computer and a computer. I you know. I got into digital on the amateur radio stuff because I could do that at the same time I was working. Because I don't have to talk. It's just typing. I can watch all the signals <laughs> and follow along. Uh,
2: I love it. It's scary
0: uh, stuff.
1: Well, Bob, you put uh, an item here in the news this week from Davidoff. You wanna tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Um Davidoff is Bring out a new line of cigars, and it's made up of 100% pure Nicaraguan blend tobacco that is wrapped in a 10 year old Habano Seed Nicaragua Rosado wrapper. And it's going to come in three formats a Toro, Robusto, and a short Corona. So it's a perfect Davidoff cigar. Uh, Beautiful, they say it's a beautiful brown color, blah, 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 blah. The reason I stuck this in there is I happened to be at the Davidoff factory when they were working on this blend. And Heike Kellner was extremely excited uh, about this cigar. Um He was working with some Nicaraguan tobacco that he'd actually never worked with before. And they won't tell you what it is. It's got a code name on it. Is that it?
1: This was it. I've actually smoked that cigar. Um, they gave us these little tubes at the Tweed Up. How was it? It, it was very good. However... The Robusto, they have them at Corona in Orlando already. It's eighteen bucks for Robusto, and and honestly, it was a very good cigar. But at the same time, I can go get three other Nicaraguan cigars that I really enjoy for eighteen bucks. Well, one of the reasons
0: that Davidoff cigars are so expensive is their manufacturing process. They are so quality oriented that they don't turn out the numbers of cigars per roller that any other factory does. They purposely cap at a very low, and I can't remember the exact number, but they want their rollers to roll slower. They want a higher yield, which they get a very good yield on. They're 98% yield or something on what they roll, which is, is higher than most people get, that goes off the rolling table and into a box. Because they take that extra time, well, that adds a lot of a lot of financial pressure to them. Because most of these people, if they want to make more money, they roll more cigars. I mean, you all yeah. heard the stories about Pepin Garcia and how many cigars he could roll in Cuba in an hour and things like that. But they don't let him do that.
1: Yeah, we we see the same thing for certain lines every year when we go down see the Fuente factory. The they have a certain uh, quota that they want them to get on, like, the standard Grand Reserva line. But the Don Carlos, the Hemingway, and the Opus have limits rather than quotas where they they just tell them, do not roll more cigars than this because if you roll that any more, then you're not paying close enough attention. And you're not going home early where you're just going to (laughs) start over. Um,
2: And it's it's a significant difference. I mean, we could be talking the difference between 300 cigars an hour to 20, I mean, a day to 20 cigars a day.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yep. I and think it it's is. seventy-five on those higher-end lines. That's what I was thinking. It was 100. seventy-five
0: to hundred at Davidoff too. But they, it, it, this is a real conundrum for a company like Davidoff because they've made their business selling high-end cigars, and that market isn't there now like it used yeah. to. Yeah, and this it this doesn't exist. Aluminum tube I'm
1: holding up here. This thing has one end has it's a they called it a flask, but that's as deep as it is. It's it's if you were gonna use it for a flask, it's one one shot. And then the other end screws off and you can put a cigar in there that would hold maybe a Toro mm-hmm. had n- nothing longer than that. And and the cap has a, a divot cut out to be a little cigar wrist. And it came with one of the Robustos in it.
0: Well, know, if it's a, if it's a Davidoff don't expect to see a six by sixty, so Toro's the biggest <laughs> uh, you're gonna get. Uh, and and
1: But this is this aluminum tube, they told us the MSRP on this thing was a hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a single serving flask and a carrier that
0: will hold <laughs> a Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, That's all the true gentleman needs is That's a single right. shot of whiskey.
2: So so I, I want to hear more though, Kip, about the flavors. Uh because okay. I think at least among the three of us and many others, you know, you hear the name Davidoff you know, you know, you know what the cigar is going to taste like to a certain degree. It's got a particular style, it's got a character, uh, and of course that comes from the history of all the Dominican tobacco. So, big Nicaraguan, does any of that bleed over into this, or is it a totally different kind of cigar?
1: To me, it was a completely different cigar, and I have not smoked a great number of Davidoffs. I mean, and. I'm not criticizing Davidoff. It's just not something I normally reach for, and I'm, I'm sure. disregarding the price. It just doesn't fall into what I'm usually looking for in a yep.
2: cigar. Same with me. I mean, they're good cigars, but it's not my normal style.
1: So. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but their the Nicaraguan was a radical departure. It was nothing like their Dominican cigars. It, it That's was good to hear. considerably more full-bodied. It had what you and Craig commonly refer to as that new school of Nicaraguan kind of blending, those, those kind of flavors of... If you lit that cigar up unbanded, you would know this is a Nicaraguan cigar. You oh. would have little doubt that it was predominantly Nicaraguan tobacco.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm gonna
2: have to try one even if it is 18 or 20 bucks. Then.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth. You know, they make some things that are just so incredible. Like um, some of the Avo, the latest Avo Avazie and stuff like the Trumpet, and some of those. Those are incredibly expensive cigars, but you know, they're worth it to have had one. It's it's like having that. 21-year-old scotch, you're not going to drink it every day. You're not going to smoke one every day at lunch. But to have one a couple times a year, they're a, they're a great way to celebrate and really treat yourself to something. I'm just not sure it's enough to base a business on. I don't I don't know that high-end cigars are where you can really make your money these days. It's certainly not the way you're going to draw the younger smokers into it. No, yeah, college disposable income. Yeah.
1: Yeah, college kids are not usually buying eighteen-dollar cigars very commonly, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: for sure. Well, unless you look at this next news item we have that came off NPR, that says um, high school kids are smoking more cigars than cigarettes because cigars are cheaper and easier to get. <laughs> huh? You're right. Huh?
1: Yeah, I highlighted a couple of things. The first being that price uh, that that pr- they quoted a price for a single low-end drugstore-style cigar as ninety-nine cents to two and a quarter, which is okay. And that's not to me anyway. I, I don't smoke those or cigarettes, but it's not any cheaper in cigarettes because you buy a pack of cigarettes rather than a single cigarette. Exactly right. Yeah.
0: They, I think they're like five or six bucks a pack. Um, yeah. I, these days with the taxes on them and stuff. Um, no, that you, you start reading this, and you find out who these people really are, and they're all hardcore anti-smokers to start with, um, but they try to make the case that they're trying to, that the cigar industry, well, they just lump them all together as so the tobacco industry, that they're trying to lure in children with flavored tobacco products to attract youths under 18, and You know, and 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 all that stuff. And then they use the counter-argument. Well, some might say, no, not at all. Youths understand that those chocolate, cherry, grape, and strawberry-flavored cigars are only for people over 18. They know a lot of things they do are for people over 18. That's not what's going to stop them. But I don't know about you, but I'll throw it out to your audience. And I know you guys. I do know you guys. I know what you'd say about this. I have never in my life seen Anyone under eighteen in a cigar shop buying cigars?
1: Not a single time. Not nope, me either. Never. I, I have seen people that look young get carded, which is the mm-hmm. way the system's supposed to work. But I've never seen one
0: actually be underage. But I think a ton of them are walking into places, into Seven Elevens and Quick Stops, and and buying cigarettes or cigars off the rack, whatever they want. But that's not <laughs> the tobacco product that we talk about or want to protect.
1: Yeah, I grew up in East Tennessee. I was buying cigarettes for my dad from the time I was seven years old. I just walk into the convenience store and tell him what I needed and most of the time didn't even get asked if it was for my dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. I bought
0: <laughs> Dale I bought Dale was with me so he can corroborate my statement here. I bought from a full service liquor store at age sixteen. Multiple times.
2: Yep, yeah, that's a true story. Well, you know, of her- course he looked like he does now. <laughs> yeah.
0: I had a little more color, though I think. Yeah.
1: I think this is a lot of this is the same story of that we've gone through countless times, where the the logic is a little skewed, where we have a law in place that's not being enforced and not being correctly handled. So rather exactly. than fix that, we just try to come up with new laws that make it tougher to for you know people of legal age to enjoy something
0: it's just a, a convenient, easy to sell excuse to make all of us conform to their idea of what we should be.
2: Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it, and it then, goes back
0: to what we opened the show with.
2: Yep, that's where I was going.
0: <laughs> Personal responsibility and individual freedom. Yeah. I think there's another thing here at play in this story.
1: All of the notice the notices, all the information that they quote here was based off data from 2009 to 2011, which happens to coincide with a time when we reclassified many things that would have been called cigarettes beforehand. They're now little cigars. And I'm betting that's a big part of this market where the younger folks are are using.
0: And yet we have more small, and they usually come in, in small packs or tins, small cigars, true cigars of a very small size akin to a cigarette. I see more of those in shops now than I ever did before. And they're good. Nat oh, Sherman's yeah. got them. Padrone has some
1: incredible. Yeah. Eddie Ortega's got some new little mini cigars now.
0: Yeah. So there's a market for those because of the environment that we have to smoke in. You oh, know, yeah, and that is, if
2: you're a smoker, you got to go outside and stand out in the cold and whatever. And who's going to do that for a Twelve dollar Toro. Nobody, you know, yeah. you're gonna find the next best thing that's a, a minuto or or smaller that goes fifteen twenty minutes, and that's how you're gonna do it. Well,
0: and when I travel to Austin, for example, I'll take those little cigars with me because I know I'm not gonna have an environment I can sit in for an hour and a half or two hours and sip on a cup of coffee and enjoy a full size cigar. But I can grab time during the day to have a minuto. Sure. Yeah, and the the flavors are good on those. Some of those are outstanding. I don't vouch for all of them, but some of them are outstanding.
1: Yeah, I've had a couple of Eddie Ortega's little ones now, and uh, you know, it's (laughs) there are some hubbub about the packaging he's using. He's using like a little hard cardboard box that looks very much like a cigarette box. Yeah. (laughs) But um, our old buddy Luis Sanchez down there uh, is now making what he thinks are some of the smallest all long filler cigars, and they are tiny, just little bitty guys, and they're all just like any other premium cigar, all long filler, hand-rolled cigars. They just happen to be like a 32 ring and maybe three, three and a half inches long.
0: Well, now think about this packaging thing you brought up. The first thing that occurred to me is what is the most efficient, cost-effective way to package a product in that size that people want to buy more than one of at a time?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to individually sell a fame, uh, 28 or a 32 ring gauge cigar. Just, yeah. You know, you're not going to do it.
0: I mean, cigar packaging was no accident. It evolved over a long time to become what was fits in a shirt pocket, holds the right number, sells at the right price. These aren't any different. Uh, Cachillos Cubanos from Elusione has been selling in a cardboard box for years, several years now, the Cachillos Cubanos. Line, which is not a bad mixed filler cigar, um, but so it's not unusual to get cigars in that packaging anyway. Let's okay. get to your last story, though, because it's really interesting.
2: Yeah, this. <laughs> this you guys get, up you up the, guys get your email today? No. On this, on this one? Oh, no, no. Well, that, I got I got to admit it. Uh, the marketing sucked me in a little bit a few weeks ago uh, when I got a uh, promotion from these guys. So I signed up and today I got the email that the door has opened. <laughs> so you click Four on the email and it takes you. where you got to log in and get a password and all that stuff. But the so royal monkey.
0: Tell us what this is, and then I want to know which one of these you signed up for, Dale.
1: <laughs> well, this this now has kind of hit the news in a handful of places. Uh, Cigar Coop, who I think is in the chat room tonight, has published the the. Uh, the story in a, in a few other spots, but Alec Bradley has announced the creation of their own members-only paid registration club, uh, which amusingly, at least to me, is called the Royal Monkey Cigar Club. <laughs> and um, they're going to offer one single membership called the Alpha Male. That's 1200 bucks a year. Uh, I think there were seven connoisseur-level ones, which I see uh, – couple of numbers quoted $249 and 399 I'm not exactly sure how that level works and then the open registration for $99 a year for the diplomat level and this will get you some access to a blog on their side and some cigars throughout the year and at least one of you know some number of uh, cigars they're working on blending and whatnot and you know the the upper levels get quite a bit more than the lower ones but you know, I put in the notes. My question is just why, because <laughs> it, it didn't seem to me like that would be a really huge piece of the market to tap into. I, I know Tatuahai has the Saints and Sinners Club, and and there's a couple other things like that out there. But I I really wasn't aware that Alec Bradley had that type of cult following that 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 they might think this would be wildly successful.
2: Well, I'm so, curious if it does turn out to be. Wildly successful or not. And to tell you the truth, the reason I signed up to get the early notification was I thought the Royal Monkey was going to be a new cigar by itself. That's just the way I read the promotion. So I thought, oh, cool. So when I got the email today, I clicked on the thing wanting to learn about this cigar. And then, you know, you see all this stuff. So uh, so far, I'm not a paid member of the Royal Monkey Club.
0: (laughs) i think I think this ties right in with what we were talking about earlier about catching that younger market. This is a way to bring a sense of belonging and membership to a younger smoker um, and give them some exclusivity in the in the art of smoking cigars and that's a big seller at certain age groups. It's not oh. so much a big seller for you and me. we don't care we've been- exclu- We're exclusive because we live this long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially Dale, right? Yeah. And uh, so, it, I I think that's what it is. It's a marketing. I don't know how successful it'll be. I don't know. I haven't seen the actual promotion. I haven't gone to the website or anything yet. But I could see. I see Alec Bradley doing this. I see the Kilo coming out of Miami cigar. I see the things that Drew Estate does. They're all pointing to the same thing. They they need to get that twenty something. Person to start smoking cigars, mm-hmm. yeah. or they're not going to have a market in twenty years.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, what they need to do to get me to sign up. If it was twelve hundred bucks for you, let's make it free. Yeah, no, <laughs> if, if it was twelve hundred bucks a year and they gave you all the cigars you could smoke, I'd have bought the first one.
1: Oh yeah, I think it was two hundred cigars for the twelve hundred dollar level.
2: <clears throat> Which See, you know, uh-huh. not a bad deal, but you know you can. Like you guys have both pointed out a couple times during the show, you can go out on your own and find cigars you really like in a price range that would be equivalent to that, and you're getting a variety.
0: Yeah. And, and they've got to do so. They've got to follow through on this. These have got to be the cigars you get as a member have got to be unique and exclusive. And it can't just be early releases. That's a. Because then in two weeks it's going to be on the market. And, and i got a whole other complaint about the whole release cycle. But they, <laughs> they've they got to make these some exclusive things. So they'll, you know they're going to have exclusive lighter designs. They might even uh, have some jackets, you know, with the red satin and the dragon on the back. And it says, you know, <laughs> Royal Monkey Cigar Club. I can just see that. A monkey on a cigar with fire coming out of its beep, you know. <laughs> but... <clears throat> um we have a problem in this industry right now. two problems at least one is attracting those younger smokers, and we need to the cigar makers need to find a way to do that and and old line cigar companies like general cigar, a lot of what they do, although they're making some great inroads in it, but their old lines punch and some of that um, the Davidoffs they just aren't appealing to that new market and they're not getting smokers and the smokers they have are dying off. Let's be blunt about
1: it. Yeah, there's a, a population bubble yeah. in that age bracket.
0: And the other is this idea that you go to IPCPR, the number one cigar trade show every year, and as a, as a shop owner, you see all these great brands, you see all this great marketing for these brands, and you taste the cigar, and the cigar is good. So you go back to your shop, and you try to order them, and you can't get them. You can't get them for months after the show. Now, by then, and so during the show, you got all the, nowadays, you have these Internet people going in there. They're hyping these cigars. You were there. You saw a lot of good stuff. I know, and I'm I'm betting the Ch- Chattanooga tweet up is has some of the same issues. They bring in some new stuff. They get a lot of good buzz going about it, and then nobody can get it. You can't, the shops can't get it. They want to get it because the buzz is going. So, three months down the road, when they finally get the cigars, all the buzz is gone. You know, you got to start over. And so, what they end up selling in the shop is the same stuff they were selling four months ago because, yeah. you know, it's the new stuff. Nobody really knows about it at that point. They've forgotten about it. Yeah, I think you're right.
1: <clears throat> I did see quite a few manufacturers, or at least seemingly more this year than last year, that's the only other year I've been to the show, had um, published official release dates. This cigar is going to ship on this date, or this is where they are in the the process. And so they at least had some kind of notion of when those cigars were going to be available.
0: But they have to ship them. Exactly. And and from what I've heard from shop owners, they didn't. And that's Mm. a very... I know very big generalization. Yeah, some have no, shipped, but
2: in some cases, you're right though, Bob. And and I think Kip's point is very important. If if you if you got a plan and you've got cigars rolled, and then you go to the show, and you say, you know, everybody try these; they're great, and they'll be out in three weeks. That's that's great, no problem. Uh, if, if you go to the show with some samples, and you may have a few rolled, but they need to sit on the shelf for a while, or you know, you're tweaking the blend still, or whatever. That's a bad thing. If I, I agree with your point that if you can't put the material out there, when you're starting to promote it, you're shooting yourself in the foot.
0: They need to, uh, no matter what commitment they make, they need to ship on that yep. commitment. And there's no point, you know, like you said, yeah, they may have them sitting there. I don't, I don't care if they have them sitting there. If they bring them to the show and they sell them to me and they say, yeah, buy them today and we'll ship them to you. And, then they backorder them for three months. That doesn't do anybody any good. It's just... Yep.
2: They'd be better off to not even start the buzz or talk about them and wait till next year's show to bring them out.
0: Well, I think they may have to reconsider this idea of making a big splash at IPCPR unless they can ship right said, then, you know?
2: I, I think, and not all companies do this. I mean, there's some... When I mean, we're talking about Padron, they don't come out with a new cigar every year. No. There's other companies that come out with two or three or four new lines every show and you know the market drives that cigar smokers we've talked about this a lot you walk into a shop and most of them first thing they say is what's new so they're trying to feed on that and and fill that requirement but uh you know if you got a if you think you've got a good product coming out you should not get it hyped up and you shouldn't release it until you can actually put it on the shelf and i agree with you You know,
0: you see this in product marketing all the time. They have to have some kind of a release schedule. Well, let's take, for example, and I don't want to say anybody does it better. Well, some companies do it better than others. Apple just this week announced the new iPhone. They said this is the date that you can get it, and it was a week from the day they announced it, and they didn't announce it until then. You know, they made no official announcement about it. They announced it on Monday. You can get it next week on the 18th, I think it is. You can walk into the store and get it. Or the other model, you can start pre-ordering now. They will ship on this date, and they will. But that's the kind of service they need to give to cigar shops to really support them so they know when that... Because these guys are running on the edge inventory. They've got to keep their inventory at the right levels so they get... They run up to IPCPR, they start clearing off the shelves a little bit, knowing they're going to pick up X amount of new stuff or whatever, and then they don't have it. They still have to fill those shelves, so then they fill it with something else that's selling, hopefully, and then all of a sudden this stuff becomes available. They may not have the same kind of space or availability you know, to sell it that they had before um, without the hype at that point. So it's a problem, and, and there's a solution. And they'll figure it out. Uh, it's not like I'm saying the tobacco industry is doomed. Because the bigger problem is anti-smoking and getting the next generation of cigar smokers. We've got to find not even the next one down, but you got to go back 40 years. You got to get those 20-somethings, get them to understanding cigar smoking and not just want to buy the biggest blackest thing I can stick in my mouth. Right. Amen. Um, but even that's a start. At least you get them in, you know. That's a start. you got to look at that might be cracking the door a little bit. But um,
1: yeah, yeah. But it's making it hard on those of us that like a Corona or a Robusto every once in a while. Yeah. yeah, and everything out there now is six by sixty or six by eighty. That new one that's yeah. out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah but you know it's a, yeah, that's okay I don't care they can make those as long as they keep making the others and so far I haven't found it hard to find the sizes I like
1: yeah except for Jesus Fuego he dropped his Coronas and Bellicosos I think I
0: but he know. still makes a good Toro he still makes a darn good Toro you know
1: yeah that uh what is that the new one he's putting out with the yellow and black band is that the connoisseur I don't, I don't remember know. now. I, I had one, and actually, it was a 60-ring cigar, and I was talking to him at the show, and he said, he asked what I liked in sizes, and I said, well, usually, Coronas, Robustos, that kind of thing. He said, well, try this, and it's like 5x60, and I said, okay. He yeah, said, no. Well, almost, he, he yeah. said, He said, trust me. He said, I do not like 60-ring either, but... This cigar's really grown on me. I think you'll like it. And I smoked it sitting there talking to him, and I really did like it. it. It was a good cigar. And, and and I've started smoking more
0: big ring gauge cigars. But, as you guys have said, it has to taste good. I'm not going to smoke it because it's a 60. And it better taste good, or I'm really inclined not to smoke it. But I've adapted to some of the larger ring gauges because there are some blends that are very good, like Cuban stock that I mentioned. I think that's very good at that size, and I would not have just picked that off the shelf had somebody not recommended it. But it turned out to be a pretty good. Now,
2: gift. let's be honest: if somebody hadn't bought it and given it to you, oh yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> I would. No, you're absolutely right. Because exactly. I think it was, I think it was like eight fifty. I wouldn't have bought it, but because he made me smoke one, yeah, I, exactly. I found out I enjoyed it, and so I've tried to open myself up a little bit more to those sizes. That doesn't mean I don't prefer. The smaller sizes, when I sure. look at the shelf, but I, I'm much more willing than I than I used to be. I think to try some of that stuff. So,
1: all right, well, creeping right along, we're actually pushing on the two-hour mark. What? What? Is, let's jump on into what we've been smoking this week. <laughs> oh. One of you guys want to jump on there? What well, do you, you
0: I got get? here's the the Nomad Le, and this was a cigar released at IPCPR in July. Um, and this came from, who did who'd this come from? Do you know? I thought I had it down in the notes here. No, Nomad
1: is the company. Fred
0: Rui is the
1: okay. owner.
2: That's
1: um, another, another house of Emilio brand.
0: Okay. Lots of hype, lots of push, medium cigar. I got to say, I didn't like it a lot. I found it to be kind of hollow. It just didn't have any body to it. Oh. it was, it was a steak. Dinner without the steak. Um, I have a
1: couple of those. I haven't lit them yet. Um, but I think that is AJ Fernandez making those for him. Uh huh. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's why I was convinced to try it, but didn't work out.
1: Have you tried that Cuenca Five Anniversary? No. You, no. you really should try that in the original size they put out. It's it's a phenomenal cigar, and it it, it is probably my very favorite AJ Fernandez cigar. Mm-hmm. and the wow. only place you, I think the only place you can get them right now is Cuenca but they, they are going to distribute those to I think initially 20 other shops and want to build that up to 50 by this time next year bet you might be
0: able to get them a charmed leaf eventually
1: oh not eventually they had some oh. I, I, last time I was yeah. there they had some and I cleaned them out how about you Dale
2: well I got a few here listed and a few that I didn't have room to put in there but Speaking of Fuego and smaller cigars, one I've been smoking a lot of, and it's it's not really a Corona, it's probably more like a Corona Gorda, uh, but the Jesus Fuego Corojo Oscuro, and this this falls into one of my everyday low budget cigars that I really like. Uh, like most uh, Fuegos out there, I think it's got a real earthy, deep kind of flavor to it. It's also got a little kick at the end. It's real spicy. Particularly a lot of black pepper at the end, and this is a cigar that I'm picking up at one of your uh, larger internet retailers for about thirty-five bucks a bundle. Yep. Uh, there I'm, it is. I'm, I'm yep. I'm going through those by the truckload. I like those a lot lately.
0: Yeah, I that's I. I was so happy to see that on your list
2: because I. I do. <laughs> well, I'm I'm thrilled that you like it because I think it's a pretty, pretty stout kind of kind of edgy cigar. Uh, which you know is right at my alley, but I'm glad to hear you like it too because it does have a lot of flavor. And if you don't, it's another one you got to kind of, you got to make sure you don't over smoke it, over. What, how'd you say it? You don't want to furnace it because it, yeah. yeah, yeah, they can get hot if you do that, and takes away all the good flavor. That's yeah, yeah. what I actually was smoking as my pre-show cigar, and I, I'm probably going through three or four of those a week. I'm just loving them.
0: Liz and I smoke quite a few of these. You can get them on bid a little bit cheaper sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to play the game, but um, <laughs> but yeah, at that, at, I think their normal price is thirty five, thirty eight bucks a bundle,
2: something like that. Yeah, um,
0: and which which makes them an excellent. I don't know. This is might even be the same size you're smoking.
2: I think that's the same one. Yeah. Yeah. I call it a Corona Gorda, but I've actually I've never measured it, so I don't know if that's a fact.
0: I have no idea. I. It's just it works.
2: Look, looks like about a five and a half or six by you know 48 to me so that's i'll have hey, to measure one up
1: wait a minute both of you guys smoked that quinka five anniversary that's what we had when you were on the show the first time i was
2: i was wondering <laughs> if oh that was better, okay really. yeah
0: okay
2: i just remembered that
0: yeah i'm old enough i can get away with not remembering <laughs> <laughs>
2: so kip what else have you been smoking that you really either really like or really don't like
1: I only put a couple of things in there, and I, I noted there that I've been on a Pinar Del Rio kick lately. And, and for a couple of reasons, I, I historically was not a huge fan of PDR cigars until Frank Herrera's biography came out, and I just completely fell in love with that cigar. And it, oh, it is probably cigar. my favorite cigar, cigar of the entire year last year. I think that is the cigar I, I would pick as... This is the one from that year, from 2012 that I loved the most. And from there, I just kind of went, you know, I've been kind of playing hit and miss with PDR cigars and, and I got my hands on some of the stuff that, that hasn't hit the market yet, but I, I smoked that, uh, new one he's got coming out, the AFR 75. And I, and I think that's the Abe Flores Reserve or something. I, I don't remember what the R is. And 75 was his birth year. But I thought it was just another fantastic smoke out of that fantastic cigar out of that factory. It, it was maybe a little lighter in strength than most of the other stuff I've had from them. Really woodsy, which appeals to me much more so than than Craig. <laughs> but I yeah. liked it. it. It had a you know a good dose of the lighter sweet, what you guys would call baking spice or tropical spice in, in there, and it, it was a clear winner for me. Really, really liked that cigar.
0: Now, you can get PDR bundles on Cigar Bid and Cigars International um with the green and the red shield on the label. Uh-huh. But they come in a bundle. Those are really tasty. But watch out for they put out a PDR Fumas, which is a mixed filler cigar, and it's a piece of crap. Sorry, <laughs> Abe, but <laughs> yes. that thing really sucks. I mean I love PDR. There's a I love their white labels. Um there's a that, lot of PDRs I like.
1: That uh, white label small batch reserve Maduro, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, man, I love that cigar.
0: And, and one of the best value price cigars is the Flores E. Rodriguez that he puts out. That's a 475 cigar, 450 mm-hmm. Oh, and it comes in a Maduro and a, and a natural wrapper. Excellent cigar. Um, whether for the price or not, it's just an excellent cigar, and the price just makes it even better. I've been smoking a lot of El Suelos too.
1: I really like those. And yeah. I, I don't for
0: 375
1: or whatever those yeah. go for, you just can't beat them.
0: Yeah, $75 a bundle or so usually you can find them and uh 75 to 80. Yeah, and that's a very good tasty cigar.
1: Yeah. It is. And the, the Trocadero as well, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick the El Suelo.
0: You know, it's funny. I do too. And, and the truck is actually just a little bit cheaper, but I like the El Suelos better.
2: Yeah. So while we're on the uh, budget cigar kick, I want to talk just a minute about the Black Ops by Gurkha. Now, we had one of those not, well, it's been a while now since we've done the show, but I think we had one of those near the end of our, our uh, run on the show, Bob. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wasn't too impressed with it. But this is another one that, because of the price, I decided to go back and visit it again. And I've been smoking a lot of these, too. A really rustic, really bold cigar, a lot of spice to them. Uh, but there's a faint sweetness that I'm finding, and maybe it's because these have been sitting around a while, I don't know. Uh, but I'm finding that uh, there's a really nice sweetness that underlies the core flavors of the cigar, that as you get near the end, it comes up to a really nice crescendo, and then it's done. When it's done, you know, and you're probably an inch and a half from the end of the cigar, it starts to get better, and it's not good anymore. But right up till then, it's just a really phenomenal smoke, and, I, and I'll say it for the money. It's you know it doesn't compare with an eighteen dollar or one of your favorite cigars maybe. But uh, I've been well, smoking a lot of these Black Ops too.
1: You know I, the thing that I run into trouble with with Gurkha is feeling a little distrustful of their marketing. Yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, the same way. I I look on the shelf and MSRP is nineteen dollars, but you can get them for a buck fifty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I was very disappointed because about a year ago, I guess it was, they came out with the Wicked Indie line, and I thought those were very good cigars. They were intended to be a more economically priced cigar. Yep. The they're pretty good too. They're good cigars. The problem is they yep. come in boxes of like a hundred, and they don't seem to have caught on at the retail level. Now here are our, our Gurkha shop that was keeping everybody else in town from carrying Gurkha went under. So there's a possibility that Tranquilos might be getting some more Gurkhas in. So maybe that's one he'll, he'll start carrying, but um, that that's a cigar I would smoke a lot from my memory of it. I just haven't seen them anywhere. And I think it's because of that packaging. They come in a big box of about a hundred cigars. The price is good on them. They're like four bucks retail. But how many guys want to put a 100 cigars on the shelf of something they don't even know if it's going to sell? It's hard to empty 20-count boxes a lot of times um, yeah. these days.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, any other noteworthy ones before we head into the final stretch?
0: Um, I tried the Los Regalos Quetzal from Emilio Cigars. I thought it was a very smooth, pleasant, has an uglier sin bin. Soon been banned on it. Um, in fact, I have one here. I'll try to hold it up. But it's a good cigar. It's not a bad cigar. I don't know what the price point is on this. This one was actually given to me, so I don't recall. That it. is an ugly band, i got to
1: say. It is. It is. Yeah. That, uh, that it was it the looks one... like
0: my 12-year-old grandson drew it up. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he would have done a little better because he wouldn't have put those stupid feathers on it. That was the one that was delayed several times last yep. year
2: that, that's right, yep.
0: yeah. it's a good cigar. It's a good is cigar it? i I don't think it's more than six bucks or so. I don't think it's an expensive Emilio, but um it's actually a very good cigar. Don't let the band fool you, I think it's good well, cigar. I'm
1: smoking one right now. I've moved along from our cigar for the night uh, that is another you know, the third in a year and a half or so that's making me eat crow over general cigar in some of my past comments because this is a really good cigar. It's their new La Gloria Cubana Serie R Estelí. It's a Nicaraguan cigar. I think it's a it's a good smoke. It's yeah, I mean didn't it's not changing my life. This is the third one I've had, but it's it's very good. Yeah. I I would definitely not hesitate to buy it and after Talking smack about them as a whole over several years, I'm, I'm having to eat some crow with them putting out some pretty good
2: cigars.
0: (laughs) Well, and they do, that's the weird, really weird thing. In, in amongst all the crap they do, they do some good cigars. And, um, I think the Siri R is one of those that I like a lot. I, the Siri R that came in the Octagon Red Box, I still like those. Um, they did, I like the, the steampunk one, The Foundry. The Foundry. That was totally – a lot of people didn't like it. The flavor profile on it was totally different. Yes, and
2: that's one where Bob and I part ways too. Uh, I've probably smoked a dozen of those trying to like them because I loved the marketing concept. It was a beautiful cigar. I I just couldn't get there, I guess.
0: You know, I'm going to go easy on you tonight because I know, you know, you've got a weak heart and all. So (laughs) it's just not – not the cigar for every, you know. Not every yeah. cigars for everybody. You know, we nobody know that.
2: brings that up except you. I've even forgotten I had a heart attack until I talked to you. That's funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're suddenly reminded that you had i I'm suddenly reminded.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I got I got one more I got to talk about, and this is uh, turn things around on Bob. Since Craig's not here, somebody's got to talk about a Cuban cigar. So I <laughs> I pulled out a 2009 BBF Boulevard Bellicoso Finos. Uh, last week, as a matter of fact, uh, and it's it's the last no I've, I'm sorry, I had two of them left and I smoked next to the last one from this box of cigars. Man, these are hitting their stride uh, very well constructed cigar, which I know we find a lot of problems with Cuban cigars particularly recently that way, but excellent construction and its flavor. Those of you who smoke uh, boulevard cigars know what I mean when I say it's got that boulevard flavor. This really intense, rich and creamy cigar, and it's really coming into its its uh, sweet spot on the flavor phase. Uh, these things are now five, six, yeah, five years old roughly. Uh, I think in the next ten years it's even going to get better. I don't know how long it'll go, but if you've got any 2009 BBFs out there, smoke one now at least. Uh, if you're saving them for a long time, I think this box will go a long time, but. Unfortunately, I've only got one more left. Uh, but, man, they're smoking great now.
0: Okay, so let me ask you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a 2009 cigar. It's now 2013, coming up on 2014. Yep. So it's coming up on five years old. I, I'm i just so happy for you that something you had to hang on to for four years has finally <laughs> been worth it. and And... You must be. Ha- you should go buy lottery tickets if you just smoked that this week because you only had two of them in the box. You had a 50/50 chance of getting
2: one that you couldn't smoke. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I actually I had a whole box. These are the last two out of the box. And over time, they they were good fresh. For, you know, they had that Boulevard flavor. Uh, but last year they started really getting good, and I found myself digging in and smoking one every couple of three months. And so I've gone through them. Well, more often than that, I guess, but. I found myself going through them. I wish I had bought three or four boxes now. Anybody out there falls has a the life's too and short. In. Life's too
0: short to be sitting around <laughs> thinking those cigars might be good today or maybe next year, and then when you finally find out they are, it's too late. You done smoked oh, them see, all up. They just got I, really good, and you got one left out of the box.
2: Oh, but there are more boxes out there. It's just a matter of going and finding them. I, you know. <laughs> anyway, for those of you who are fans of the BBF... Maybe I got lucky, but that box has been phenomenal from 2009, and it's it's really getting good now.
0: They are good cigars. I I've had them in the past with you. I know they're good cigars. It's they're too hard to get. I I don't you know these days you got to realize.
2: I knew I'd prison, get them going with it
0: <laughs> with prison going and all this. They know you're buying this stuff, dude. And you know they're just waiting for an excuse to come. Take your guns and take your cigars
2: and yeah, <laughs> bastards.
0: You know, and the cigars could be the reason they come <laughs> take your cigar because if you get up on a federal charge, you lose those guns. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, is it really worth It's good the enough risk?
2: it was good enough to take the risk. Well, that's then how good. It was. Good for you.
0: I then I support you 110%. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad to I, see you're finally smoking the AJ Fernandez Ovals. I had a tough time getting you to smoke those when they first you, came you out. You did,
2: and I got to say that's uh that's become probably my go-to cigar when I'm in a in that mood where I'm just looking for a really good cigar and I don't want to think about what else to go try. And you will also be proud of this. The Churchill has become my favorite cigar. Isn't that, in that good. Size yeah. in that cigar. Not many other cigars will I buy at Churchill, but that oval, man, I love that cigar.
0: Now, it's also the size you see the most of, probably, too. I know it is down here, but...
2: Uh, not up here. Up here, it's probably... You have probably seen an equal number of the, I don't know what I call the three main sizes, but the Churchill is one of the three.
0: Yeah. I'm glad to see you, it. I enjoy those a lot.
1: The only other thing I really delved into this week was the... That My father, the Flor de las Antillas, which we, um, I think we may have talked about before, but we had it as a featured cigar on the show here a few months ago. It was the one, the Toro, I think, got the Cigar of the Year last year from Cigar Aficionado. But I really, really uh, like the, the smaller sizes on that line, that little Robusto, and I happen to have a bunch of them uh, sitting around and just... I just couldn't get enough of them this week. I, I couldn't tell you how many of them I smoked and, and just love that cigar. And, and maybe because it's not not quite as bold or as brash as a typical My Father cigar. It's a little more sedate, a little
0: sweeter. Yeah, yeah I think it's a good, I, I would agree, I think it's a good cigar. I like yeah. it a lot. And I also like the Anzaranos, Anzaranas.
1: Anuranzas.
0: Yeah, I like but, that cigar a lot. Um, that's a Miami cigar. hmm Company cigar. I, that's another one I like. I think it's in the same same vein as the Flor de los Antillas.
1: Well, let's uh jump over and leave my little <laughs> notes about trends and get to this. We had one little quick email to answer this week from Swede, um, who's a guy I've actually coincidentally met in person before we ever did this show uh, through just hanging out at a cigar shop. He spends part of his year down here in Florida, uh, but he. Um, Send an email, says he did not get all the same flavors that I did from the Brickhouse Maduro, which is, they had last year introduced that Maduro line in a 6x60, and it didn't do anything for me, mainly because of its size. But this year, they put it out in a Robusto, and I really liked it, really, really enjoyed it. Um, But he says he didn't get the same flavors as me, but he thinks he has weak taste buds. He did like the cigar, it was just a little strong, and he enjoyed the regular one better. And he says he has a cigar question. What do we mean when we say a cigar has tooth? And I had a picture here. If I can bring that up, if I can. Uh, Swede, let me
0: tell you right up front. If you ever have a cigar that has a tooth in it, take that sucker back. <laughs> <laughs> do not smoke that cigar. Ooh, that oh, that okay. is. a, that's can, a good can you, picture uh, of
2: tooth. Yep.
1: Yeah. Can you see these little? Can you see the bumps? I don't know if you guys can see my pointer here, but if yep. you can see those little bumps on the wrapper, Swede, That's at least what I'm talking about when I say tooth. There's these little bumpy or pimply grain on there.
2: That's it exactly. And and those those little bumps are little reservoirs of wonderfully tasting oils.
1: Yeah. So that 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 picture was actually from an Oliva Maduro uh, from last from 2011. I went and pulled that out of a review I'd done for those when I noted the tooth on them. I thought it was a pretty decent
2: picture. The Cigar of the Week are unbanded, which I still don't know what it is that that we smoked tonight. This example I had tonight had about half the tooth of that picture you just showed. Uh, But That's something I really look for. Not that necessarily every time you get a toothy wrapper on a cigar it makes it taste better. Uh, but To me that's an indication of a wrapper that has the potential to have some really excellent flavor in it. so If I'm sorting through boxes of cigars or choosing between two or three different brands of cigars and one of them has a really toothy wrapper, nine times out of ten, that's probably the cigar I'll pick up.
0: Now, Kip, you mentioned the um, 6x60 Brickhouse that didn't really do much for you. Mm -hmm. It did a lot for J.C. Newman because it cleared out some old tobacco that they had sitting around, they just they needed to work that inventory down in the warehouse, and by putting out that six by sixty, man, it just chewed it up like nothing. <laughs> well, I,
1: like I said, it wasn't a knock specifically on the cigar, just my preference.
0: So that was, the truth. I think the the that's an acquired taste cigar, the Brickhouse. When they first came out, I didn't like them. And then I smoked some later on, and I liked them. And, yeah i like them you know i think they're a decent cigar i really do yeah i've had that experience
1: with quite a few cigars where i just am a little too quick to write them off initially and come back to them later and think that was a stupid move and i kind of like these yeah we call that
0: early onset alzheimer's yeah. just in case you're
2: wondering. <laughs> he's got a ways to go to catch up with us though
0: he does he does hey, i'm,
2: I'm right over
1: now? i'm over 40 now craig likes to remind me of that every week
0: wow to be 40 again Hundale. Yeah, no kidding. Wow.
2: Yeah, he's well, Craig's still a young pup. He's got a lot to learn.
1: Yeah, he's he's got <laughs> I got eight years on him, I think. Just turned thirty two.
0: Yeah, but just remember, Dale, for all that youth he has kids, he has you know, a career. God, I'm glad I don't have that anymore to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, tell me about it. Today was my fourth 12-hour day in a row. I, I'd be glad to give up my career sometimes.
0: <laughs> Oof. Well, you know what the definition of a career is, don't you? It's no, a I'll job that's do. gone on too long. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I thought you
1: just meant a, 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 one of the uh, costs of a cigar hobby.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it could be. You know. So, you've got to tell us, what was this wonderful unbanded that it, we had? It's today?
2: killing me. i got to know what this cigar is.
0: This cigar was,
1: if you can see that, the El Centurion from my father. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: You know, this, not a
0: this $2 is, cigar, unfortunately. But.
1: No, but it's not as pricey as some of their offerings. This, these are about 7 bucks. It's,
0: it's a good – I've had several of those. I should have.
2: Now, now you, uh, you guys can see mine. Uh, I had to set it down a while ago because it, it was done, and I'm smoking another cigar now. But, matter of fact, I'm smoking an A.J. Fernandez. Uh but this one, I smoked down to where it was starting to get warm on my fingers, and it didn't get hot in my mouth, and it didn't get harsh. Uh, I treated this cigar better than I did the one last night, and it rewarded me. This was good all the way down.
0: I'm saving mine for breakfast. I'm going to go back to it tomorrow morning while I make it. Delayed the
2: gratification. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's yeah, a
2: pot good.
1: smoker technique. That's right. Yeah, these uh, these were not the old el Centurion that came out in 2007 or so these are the recent yeah, new the, blend ones, ones i think are music. better
0: yeah
1: i wow, did not good smoke I appreciate it.
0: it been a lot of fun
1: yeah and thank you guys very very much for sitting in with me I, it, it would have been a long quiet dull show otherwise
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i doubt that i i had a ball it was a lot of fun and uh it was it was enough fun makes me want to do it again every week for about a week <laughs> or two and then I'll, then i'll probably uh <laughs> you know, retirement's been nice, but I really enjoyed it.
0: It's well, hey,
2: it's way past my bedtime. So,
1: Craig, Craig and I had a, a fully bought-in agreement between the two of us that you guys have an open door, and, and that's always anytime you want to pop in, zap me a text or an email, and I'll send the invite. You, you guys have carte blanche as far as we're concerned.
2: Well, you're too kind, but I greatly appreciate it. Yeah,
0: very much. We, I I really appreciate the opportunity to come back on. I had a ball. I, really I, I
2: haven't it. talked cigars for months. It's been been a lot of fun. Uh, you know,
0: Dale, you cracked me up because you're actually very technically in tune tonight. You've been changing your lower third to keep up with my joke. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> it's just, this is a ball. I hope the people that watch this pick up on this, what's going on. I, I doubt I doubt many fun. have.
2: One, one guy, I think it was Frank, he saw my second or third one, but uh, nobody's commented on the others. <laughs>
1: Greg <laughs> never sees what I'm doing cuz he he doesn't watch the video while we're doing the show. He's just looking at the notes the whole time and talking.
2: Well, this worked really well tonight because with uh the chat being on your website, Kip, uh and the way I've got my two screens and everything set up here, it worked out that I could put them side and pay attention to both when I was do- when we were doing the show all the time. I really had to watch the show notes and other things, and so I had a hard time keeping up with the chat. But it was it was a lot of, more fun than that. I didn't have to do any work. I just sat here and had fun. So
0: Yeah, yeah no, if you can just free wheel it, you know, it's not so bad because you don't <laughs> have to pay attention.
1: So. The uh, Yeah, the sight thing is an experiment we're just playing with. We'll see how it shakes out. Well, I think it's a good addition.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well,
1: let's wrap this joker up. I think we are about 20 minutes past our allotted time, which is good by me. Uh, so, folks, we uh, thank you for listening and uh, certainly appreciate again Bob and Dale uh, sitting in with me. It's been a, a blast for me. And uh, hope you guys will come back next week. Uh, not to see our next week, it'll be another Unbanded. It'll be an Unbanded number nine from Jacob Pincus. And uh, you can uh, find us now at halfashed.com uh, with or without a dash in there. They both go to the same place. Of course, you can always find me at thesagarmi.com. And uh, just, you two guys don't know this, the the guy that was squatting on Cigarmy.com all those years finally let it lapse, and I was able to snag that domain, so it now... Oh, good for his. you.
0: Good for yeah.
1: you. Yeah. So, uh anyway, if you want to get in touch with me or Craig, uh, it's kip at com or craig at you can get us there, and drop us a line. There's even a forum plug-in now on Half Ash, so you can drop a, a post in there, and that's all brand new, so... Not making any guarantees, but it's up. And uh, like always, we uh, usually stream, of course, the Cigar Federation. You guys can go check out that site, make yourself a little profile. You can get connected with some other uh, folks that are just as diehard a cigar fan as you, me, and, and anybody else. So, uh, with all that being said, well, I think we're wrapped up. And I uh, hope you all have a good night and a good week. And we will see you same time next week. Light up and relax.
2: Cheers.